very different people. We're not what you see. We're not Spartans. We're Americans with a capital A, huh? You know what that means? Do you? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. We are the wretched refuse. We're the underdog. We're mutts. But there's no animal that's more faithful, that's more loyal, more lovable than the mutt. Who saw Old Yeller? Who cried when Old Yeller got shot at the end? Nobody cried when Old Yeller got shot, I'm sure. I cried my eyes out. So we're all dog faces. We're all very, very different. But there is one thing that we all have in common. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Something seriously wrong with us. We're soldiers. But we're American soldiers. We've been kicking ass for 200 years. We're 10 and 1. Now we don't have to worry about whether or not we've practiced. We don't have to worry about whether Captain Stillman wants to have us hung. All we have to do is to be the great American fighting soldier that is inside each one of us. Now do what I do and say what I say and make me proud. Fall in? Three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet now. Why, hello. I'm a broadcasting professional. I've been doing this for 20 years. I was distracted by the fact that Sarah just tried to put on her headphones and you did that thing where the, where the right headphone, you sort of let go and it sort of smacked on the side of your head. Well, now since I found out they're filming the Sex in the City movie, I'm desperately trying to find... Where exactly it is. Distracted, distracted by your hunt you for the You know it's the vacation city, week. You're leaving in like three days yes, for the country. Am. Yes, I am. I'm envious. I know how you guys feel. <laughs> I just came back. I know. It's So I got to, what, today, tomorrow, Thursday, and then I'm gone. Gone from this place. And I've got three days, and then I'm gone. And then, so you're here through Friday, right? Then yeah, you're going I'm leaving, yeah, I'm leaving late at night on Friday night. And it'll just be Tim and Scotty alone in a room together all day long, talking as men talk. I think it'll be quite interesting. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be here. I Go, think so. Good, bad, and different. I won't be listening. They doesn't matter. They could come back as best of <laughs> Yeah. Well, this would be like, and it's very, yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, it's very rare that I take any time off, but it'll be like that, because, um, you know, like, you know, so Leno doesn't ever have a guest host. If he's gone, it's just uh, it's just reruns of his of his stuff, because they learned back in the Carson era that if you if you have a guest host, you may come back, and that may be the permanent host. You may not be asked to come back to your own program. Anyway, come back and be the Scotty and Tim show. Uh, it'll be Scotty and Tim and Sarah this Friday, and the next week, Scotty, Tim, uh, Kristen Bowie, and then there's uh, a whole bunch of crap uh, that we've already done. I'm not going to lie and say that it's like some we've gone through and found the very best things for the last year. 
We found the shining crown jewels of the last year's worth of broadcast. It's just some crap that we found that we're going to make it listen to twice. Whatever's quick and easy. That's really it. Step right up and win some crap, as Steve Martin would say. That's it. The shortest distance between uh, between A and Z. We're not even going A to Z. It's really it's like A to about F. That's it. Uh, but Tim will be doing news updates uh, during these best of segments, won't you, Tim? Oh, yes. All right. Anyway, that's not today, though. That uh, doesn't start till Friday. All right. Oh, and I have sex in the city. Hey, you've probably seen the sex in the city news, though, haven't you? Oh, yeah, about the new cast member. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, America's sweetheart, apparently. Or so we're being told. Uh, she's from uh, what's She's in that one movie, right? Well, she's in, well she the won an Oscar. Thing. I guess she can act. She was in whatever. She was in Dreamgirls or whatever that movie is. I'm, I'm talking about this as though I, A, even really know anything about Jennifer Hudson. B, like I care at all about the casting of Sex in the but City. But you should look on the look closer at that story because they start filming Sex in the City on September 19th, and I am going to be there until the 23rd. Oh, is this going to be another set of celebrities you can stalk with your Which cell phone? Which is why I'm trying to find out. Yeah, I've been look like that. <laughs> I did not do that to anybody. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I sneakily took a picture of Matt Dillon, and then I talked to Michael Ian Black, and he uh-huh. let me take a picture. Yeah, but the Sex and the City girls aren't going to talk to you. I know uh, they won't talk to me. They're going to be tiny, and I'm going to want to like vomit everything I've eaten throughout the entire day. Well, Jennifer Hudson ain't gonna, not going to be tiny. Whatever, whatever else she might be, she's not going to be tiny. It doesn't matter. I think she's hot, but she's not a she's not a tiny girl. Um, that, you know, Jennifer Hudson is who ought to be standing next to Britney, really. Anyway, all right. Well, we'll talk about that later, uh, and we'll just touch briefly uh, on a little bit of uh, a little bit of Britney fallout later on. There, we're not going to uh, dwell too much on it. Well, Scotty is saying that uh, he will hire me to answer his phones when I reach. Thank you, Scotty. It's it's mighty generous of you. That's mighty Christian of you, sir. All right, it's 503-733-2970, uh, 503-733-2970. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, 503-733-2970. Scotty J standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your uh, observations about the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the mundane, whatever it is you're calling about. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to email us, you can do that as well. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com rick at rickemerson.com let's see and i'm getting this all right here we go just getting something else set up uh what's coming up today oh we gotta I, we gotta bust our hustle or whatever it is that whatever it is macaulay culkin says in, in uncle buck hustle your hustle your bump he's whatever it is because they walk into the kitchen and macaulay culkin's doing the dishes and then the, what's her name tia who ended up i don't even know whatever happened to the girl who played tia and uncle buck who was just unbelievably scorchingly hot I mean, maybe not so much now, but then she certainly seemed just like the hottest thing on two legs. Um, and here's the other thing about, about that Tia girl. Did you ever notice this? That the Tia girl and Uncle Buck looked exactly like Jennifer Grey in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I mean, it really was like they were clones of each other. And I'm wondering, now that I think about it, 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 given the fact that there seemed to be a pattern to the way the teen protagonists looked in a lot of those John Hughes films, if they are all uh, a sort of manifestation projection of some real-life girl upon whom John Hughes had a crush as a young man. Boy, even for me, that was just completely pointless and tedious. Uh, anyway, uh, da 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 da. We got to bust our hump though. We're gonna uh, get Lisa Goddard here. We got the You're Lisa talking about up. Jean Louisa Kelly. Is that who played Tia? That's who played Tia. All right. Is she doing anything now? Well, she's still alive. Yes, she has she... a son named Sean. <laughs> she was oh. born in 1972. All right. Uh, let's see. She was on Grey's Anatomy in 2006. Really? 
on a couple episodes. All right. She was on another television show called Yes Beer. Okay, well, she's older than I am and has a kid. That makes her a little more gettable. She was born in Worcester, Massachusetts. Really? Home that's, of uh, Kristen from That's where everybody great comes from. Who else was born in Worcester? Didn't we just hear... We interview, interviewed somebody a while back, and it wasn't Mandy Moore. We talked to somebody a while back who was from Worcester. Well, she graduated from Worcester. Columbia University in 1994, majoring in English. You realize now we are talking about someone that one-tenth of one percent of the audience even uh, can identify? There's no one who knows what we're talking about. I'll guarantee you Sarah doesn't know who we're talking about. Nope. Scotty, <laughs> that was very chipper. Scotty, do you know who we're talking about? Tia from Uncle Buck? No. All right. Well, if Scotty, if we've lost Scotty, we've lost America. We'll plunge on ahead. Uh, Lisa Goddard's going to be joining us today a little earlier than normal, at 11.15. Uh, we will talk to Lisa Goddard about all uh, about all manner of things, most notably. Uh, well, it, there's, there's this Petraeus speech that he gave yesterday, which I don't even really understand the content of. And it, it, I mean, it's not like I'm just the dumbest guy on earth, but I'm unclear about whether that means that we're reducing the number. I, it sounded very much yesterday like we're leaving. Or he, as, he used the word withdrawal. Yeah, which for the first time, as as Michael Bean would say in Aliens, uh, Marines, we are leaving. That's really what it sounded like. But then I got a bunch of email telling me that Rick, you swallowed the red menace, hook, line, and sinker. That's not at all what he said. There's a bunch of people telling me that I that I I swallowed a bunch of uh, conservative talking points with that yesterday. So I don't even. This is one of those cases where I really have no idea what in the name of God is going on with my own country. Uh, so we'll talk to Lisa about that. Jim Roop will be joining us later on today. The Phil Spector uh, trial is in its second day of deliberations. And really, there's nothing that's happened. There's no reason to talk to Jim. There's been no development. There's no news. There's no ripple in the Phil Spector legalistic pond. There's absolutely nothing that has transpired. It's just that Jim is a great guy, and he's entertaining, and we're going to talk to him for no readily apparent reason. Uh, for a readily apparent reason, we will talk to Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. He was at is 1010 Winds for the CBS station. Yes, it is. All right. An owned and operated station, is it not? Yes, no it, one owned? it used to be a Westinghouse station, but CBS bought up all the Westinghouse stations. They already had WCBS, so they have WCBS and 1010 Winds, both doing news. This is sort of the radio version of my long dissertation on Tia from Uncle Buck just now. <laughs> just as in Los Angeles, there are two news stations both owned by CBS. One KFWB, which also used to be Westinghouse. I think I applied for a job there one time. You don't ever get called. No. <laughs> no, I never did. I applied for a job there, I think, 11 years ago? Uh-huh. 12 years ago? Yeah, they never called me back. Uh-huh. Ever. Ever. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, he at uh, on... The nine the the nine eleven the capital nine eleven uh, he was actually at ten ten wins uh, deep in the heart of the city uh, so we'll talk uh, briefly about that we will not ignore it but we're not gonna we're not gonna overly dwell on it there are a lot of places to go if you want to uh, if you just want to feel uh, like uh, just sad and blackened inside today there's any number of places that will cater to that desire uh, this is not gonna be one of them uh, we're not gonna pretend it didn't happen we're not gonna do a whole lot of dwelling on it uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy what else is coming up today double geek Watch uh, a top five from yesterday, which we did not get to. We didn't get to it yesterday. We'll do the top five musical comebacks um, in honor of Britney's failed attempt at same. A creepy mugging. And from Portland's own OnTheVig.com, we'll talk to our good friend Chris Sneven about any number of uh, things happening uh, in the world of pop culture. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. It's uh, 9-11 today. 
Despite two accidents over the weekend, the rides at the Spokane County Fair will continue to operate. We'll take a look at all the accidents they've had. Really, living in Spokane is right enough. Page 6 reports Britney showed up three hours late for MTV rehearsal with a frozen margarita in hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready, y'all. Let's do some dancing. There are plenty of reports of backstage tears after that dis- disastrous performance. Sweet, sweet tears. And let's see here. Uh, the new survey shows most see Iraq is a complete or at least a partial failure. And it's going to be hot again today. All right. Oh, it's so hot. Do you remember when it was cold? Back in the old days. Now it's hot. No. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Brittany, let me drink your sweet tears. They taste like wine. Is it? Well, Mm -hmm. wait and see. Oh, and uh, there is a small creature uh, uh, loose in the ventilation system of CBS Radio Portland. Who wants to hear what it sounds like? I do. Can you hear that? It sounds a little warbling in the background because I've done some noise reduction to get rid of the ventilator drone. That's an... It walks among us. Not to be all mystery knows about it, but you know what it is? What? A chickadee. <laughs> it's a chickadee. Yes. It says W.C. Fields. No. You don't know what it is? I actually should... Here's the thing, and then we'll talk to Lisa Goddard in just one second. But... I don't have time to tell my whole story here unless Lisa wants to listen to it. Let's find out. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, the fashionably attired and dangerously witty Lisa Goddard. Why, hello. Oh, boy, you're setting me up. Rick, I'm not just a correspondent. I'm a listener. Of course I want to listen to your story. Well, thank you. It's kind of you to lie and say so. <laughs> um, okay, so this is normally the section of the program. This is what um, this is what in radio consultancy circles is called the what I did last night section. Uh, it's where, you know, we talk about what's coming up at the program. We introduce everybody, Tim teases the news, and then we casually banter in a totally unprepared fashion about what transpired in our everyday lives last night. Because, as you know, we're people just like the listeners. So, uh, they watch TV, I watch TV. They do stuff, I do stuff. They're covered in skin, so am I. Uh, But here's what I did last night. And you let me know if that music is is too deafening for you there. Um, So here's what I did last night. I spent a long time walking around the corridors upstairs. And when I say walking around the corridors, I don't mean euphemistically like I'm brooding Nixon style. I mean literally walking around the corridors with a handheld audio recorder in my hand, uh, trying to record the sound of this creature, which is loose in the ventilation system of CBS radio. It would be dishonest of me to say that I don't know the outcome. I was kind of hoping that the outcome wouldn't be known by today so that I could then sort of, you know, because I'm not a very good method actor. I, I, I can't come in and, like, pretend like, I have no idea what the creature is. I totally know what the creature is because they caught it this morning. They found the creature this morning. I was hoping they was wouldn't. Was it still alive? I was going to milk it for a whole long what-is-this-creature bit, uh, it, which is sort of reminiscent of our failed, you know, I say failed, our... I guess successful but tedious mystery sound contest that we did last year. Um, but here's what happens, and then we'll talk about what happened, and we'll talk about actual news. So yesterday, uh, I'm I'm upstairs and I'm walking through the sales area to like I don't know get some water, do, do, check my mailbox, do something or other, and I hear this squeaking sound. Right there, that squeaking noise, and I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, we think it's a bat. And then the word was there was a bat loose in the building, and they had actually, apparently it started squeaking in the ventilation system directly above the CBS Radio Portland conference room while there was a promotional meeting going on. And apparently everybody, you'll pardon the pun, just ran out of there like bats out of hell. Apparently they were just terrified. Um, 
Susan Reynolds, our, promote, our marketing director here, actually went so far as to barricade herself in her office because she was terrified of the idea that there's going to be a bat fluttering around the building. So, of course, she's actually pushing furniture against the door, I hope. And actually standing on the table, squealing like a 1950s housewife, having spotted a mouse in the kitchen. Um, and so, of course, being a guy, though, what do I immediately do? I go and I grab the handheld recorder and I rush into the conference room so I can tape the sound of the squeaking thing in the ventilation system. Let's... Right there. So there you go. So going in and taping it, and then I re and, and of course as uh, the afternoon goes on, and it took me a long time to get that because it was like the thing had some sort of sonar or whatever it is that bats have. It's like it was able to tell that I was standing there. Every time I would get below the ventilation system and hold up the recorder in my hand, it would stop squeaking. It's like it. It was like the Loch Ness monster of ventilation creatures. It's like it didn't want to be taped. That's like my favorite. Uh, one of my friends who's pregnant. The baby will kick for everyone but me. She'll be like, Oh, it's going nuts. It's kicking for hours. And I'll put my hand on it and it completely stops. It's because the baby knows you hate it. That's why. It the baby senses evil. It can sense your blackness. It's only a bat. <laughs> um, so I would stand there and I would walk through the office. And it, 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 here's how dumb I am. I was actually issuing orders. To, I mean, there's people trying to conduct business upstairs, as uh, Al Pacino would sing, Glengarry Glen Ross. Men are trying to make a living. And I'm ordering everyone in the sales department to hush and hang up their phones so that I can tape the sound of the bat in the ventilation system. And because we are guys, we all, I mean, the women, of course, eventually just go back to work and they just figure, you know, the ventilation guy will come and get rid of it. The exterminator will take care of it. All the men, though, because we have, uh, you know, partial X chromosomes in our body, we're standing there gathered around the ventilation system discussing exactly how we deal with the bat when we got it. Because that's what guys have to do. Guys just have to go on and on about, well, and guys always have to tell a story about the one time that they encountered a bat and what they did with it. And I am no exception. I know, oh, well, we had a bat in our swimming pool one time back home. And uh, what you want to do is get yourself one of them dustpans and some kerosene. And I'm sitting here <laughs> telling bat stories like I know what the hell I'm talking about. And then I realize, as I am on about my 40th minute of stalking the bat around the hallway with his handheld recorder trying to get some sound captured, I realize that what we're all doing is just acting out some episode from The Office. And I think there actually, I think there actually was an Office episode where there was a bat in the office. And what's his name? Dwight or whatever his name was. He ended up putting on, like, a welder's mask and getting a broom, and, you know, and going into the ventilation system and attacking it. And I realized that that's what I spent the better part of my afternoon, uh, you know, doing yesterday. So, anyway, so there you go. And so what happened? Well, see, hold on a second. Now we have to, uh, now we have to do something else. Hold on. Let's... Scotty, can you join us in the studio? I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me... Welcome now, Scotty J. Good morning, Metolia. Our intrepid PA to the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Scotty. How are you today? Good morning, boring. Hi. How are you? Good. That's funny that he said good morning, boring, which <laughs> is a city. And then I responded by saying hello. How are you? Implying that I, not the city of boring, was the re, uh, object of that uh, greeting. Hey, so are you saying that people can't hear the bat sound? Right, so you spent the better part of your afternoon uh... taping something that no one can hear? <laughs> Correct. Is it, is it, is, now, is it the AM radio band? Is it, that, is it our frequency band is actually too narrow? Correct. Sarah, can you do, do me a favor and mm -hmm. drop the... Uh, we'll drop the bed there. Let's see. I can hear it. All right, now, Sarah, what I'm going to have you do here in a minute is check the air monitor. 
and actually see if that is. That means we're all going to have to check the air monitor because you're fine. in your ear. Well, just, I wanted you to just uh, watch the uh, to watch the timer so we know when to listen. Mm-hmm. Because there's the program monitor, which is what we hear in the studio, and there's the air monitor, which of course what you all hear at home uh, once it's been processed and goes out over the airwaves and uh, goes out there into Radio Land. So if you'll forgive me or indulge me for just one second here, hold on, we're going to uh, we're now switching over, and we are listening uh, to the. Um, yeah. Oh, that's you can totally hear that. All right, there you go. And the key is we just can't have the music playing during it. Oh, okay. okay, excellent. All right, thank you, Scotty. Thanks. All right. So anyway, so I spent, so I spent. Oh, I was just terrified that I spent about forty minutes wasting my time for something that no one could hear. Uh, so I spent all afternoon trying to tape the sound of this thing up in the uh, ventilation system. What was the outcome? We'll tell you later. Oh. Yeah. Snap. All right. Yeah, um, I, 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 I almost said it, but I didn't. Hey, so uh, how's life? How are things, Lisa? Got hey, good. Crazy, wacky, you know. Okay. All, um, that, all that, you know, moving, grooving, Iraq, Iraq, Iraq. All that. We've got, in fact, I can... Is that we, your own personal variation on keeping it real? <laughs> You're moving and grooving, Iraq, Iraq. I truly really hope not. Well, you know, what we, we can do right now is join me. We can listen in without them knowing about it to uh, the Senate Armed Services Committee now underway. Here they are. Special operations teams and then training, equipping, advising. It uh, doesn't seem like a really uh, fiery moment no. there from no. Senator Carl Levin. But basically what's happened today is the Senate now has its turn to question commanding Iraq General David Petraeus and U.S. Ambassador to Iraq Ryan Crocker. Very different tone than yesterday, guys. What we're hearing today, much more sharp criticism, very pointed questions, not just from Democrats but from Republicans. A lot of frustration being expressed. These senators don't seem to have... Uh, yesterday in the House, there seemed to be more of a sense of, uh, oh, these are generals, we're going to be uh, kind of, I don't know, sort of, uh, we're not going to pound away at them too hard. But in the Senate, no, they don't care. They feel like uh, they are at least on the same level as, as this general, if not above these, this General Petraeus. And uh, they're just going at them on a rock. But General Petraeus is standing his ground saying, listen, I think if we pull out troops, things are going to get a lot worse. See, and this, I'm glad you're sort of clarifying this because we played a lot of Petraeus sound cuts yesterday, and I, I'm really not trying intentionally to be uh, obtuse here, but at the end of his, the sound bites we played from him, I honestly couldn't tell whether we were talking about bringing troops home or not. I really couldn't get a fix of what he was even saying, and maybe that was the point. Yeah, here, here's what he's saying. He is, he is saying that he, he is recommending that a few thousand troops come home this year. 2,000 to 4,000 Marine uh, Marines who were already scheduled to come home, but he's saying, I'm not going to extend their time. A lot of those Marines had expected an extension, and he's saying, no, I'm going to have them come home this year. That leaves, the troop surge, remember, was about 30,000 troops. So if you bring home, let's say, 4,000 Marines this year, that leaves about 27,000 members of this troop surge, extra troops on top of the normal numbers in Iraq, and and what General Petraeus is saying is, I I think I need most of that surge to stay in place until next summer, and so it would be about 10 months. After that, he says, then next spring we can start talking about bigger drawdowns, really getting at that basic troop number, which is once the surge is gone, we'll have some 130,000 troops in Iraq. This really just does sound, and I know this is, I'm just being the master of understatement here, but this really does just sound like the most political of answers, because 
So we're, we, it does just smack of trying to placate everybody, right? Because we're bringing home troops, but they're not the, the regular troops. They're just the surge troops. But even then, it's not all of the surge troops. It's just some of the surge troops. And the surge is working, so we're going to leave a lot of them there. But we got to bring somebody home or else the American people are going to lynch us. So we're going to bring some people home, and then we'll gather this same time next year and look at it then. That's certainly what some of the Democrats are saying is going on here, that, that this is a token uh, you know, group of troops that is being pulled back or allowed to return home. If I was my mother, I would say that this is a phrase ending in, or get off the pot. That's exactly what <laughs> I don't mean to sound like crass or like I know right. better than the military, but seriously, come on, for the love of God. It, 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 this is a, it seems like this is a line that we have got to be on one side of or the other. And as I have said from the very beginning, and I don't mean for you to bear the brunt of my ire about this issue, but as I have said since the very beginning of this damn fool war that we're in, that if it even seemed like we were fully committed to this whole thing, that would at least be something. I mean, if it seemed like we were full bore, going to go over and just clean up that whole part of the world, one neighborhood at a time, one country at a time, that would at least be something that had some sort of consistency to it that I could get behind. This just seems like, like as I said, just, just the most tokenistic kind of attempted placation of the anti-war folks, which is now the majority of the country. So at least I'm apparently not alone in that thought. The first thing is I, I, that's important here, I think, is that General Petraeus is saying the reason these 4,000 or 2,000 Marines can come home now is because things are getting better in some areas of, of Iraq and that they don't need them. And he's saying then, conversely, the reason that everybody else has to stay is because there still are a lot of problems in Iraq. But you're right that it does parallel what's happening politically. The fact is that most of the country is against the war. And the fact is that the the willpower is not really there uh, to continue this surge. And honestly, this is the second thing, is that they're really the military is tapped out. The military physically uh, and fiscally does not seem that it can actually maintain this surge past next summer, that it just can't do it. And so in a way, what's funny is that to some degree, the U.S. has made a full commitment here. This is about as many troops and as much equipment as we can send to Iraq. Of course, we could take on more debt and we could send more equipment, I suppose, but we, we really don't have any more manpower. But the White House is not conveying it in that way, that we are fully committed, we're given everything we've got. You know, and perhaps if they did, people like you would, would understand their strategy differently. But, but they do seem a little more mealy-mouthed about this strategy or the way they defend it is is by making references back to September 11th. Right, right, exactly. Original September 11th, which just doesn't sit well with most Americans at this point. I am with you on that. All right, uh, I know it's a busy day for everybody, including yourself, so we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Before we, before we end things here, do you have a guess as to the identity of the mystery creature? Oh, the mystery creature? Oh, it was not a bat. Well, maybe it was, maybe it was not. Oh, see, I couldn't hear the sound either. I'm going to go with... um. Some sort of rodent, like uh, pig. And it'll all be resolved later. We'll let you know tomorrow exactly what that sound was. <laughs> all right, Lisa Goddard, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. All right. All right, Lisa Goddard on the hill. Fantastic. By the way, we'll break here in just like 10 seconds so we get Steve Castamon coming up. Uh, sampling of emails. Hey, Rick, I can totally hear the noise. Scotty doesn't know what he's talking about. How about this? We can hear the bat noise. Scotty is a douche. How about this one? I can completely hear it. Tell Scotty to shut the hell up. How about this? Scotty is wrong again. I can totally hear the noise. By the way, it's not a bat. It's the mystery sound, the spinner from the game of life. Thank you. Uh, back after this, the Rick Emerson.
I, for one, am totally ready for a new direction. Sarah, you? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at my own jokes. That was just funny. It's really the uh, the perky tone in your voice. Why, hello, it's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, coming up in this queue, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, uh, joining us in New York City. Later on, we got CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, who will be joining us from Los Angeles. Uh, Chris Neathan from OnTheVig.com will be joining us. We'll have the top five uh, musical comebacks of all time. Our hunt for the second worst story ever, a double geek watch. And Tim Riley at the noon news hour. I'm sorry, I got this whole, like, a uh, kind of a phlegm thing going on there. I'm sorry, yeah, I don't mean. I'm just saying. If it sounds like I'm cutting out occasionally, it's because I'm hitting the cough button. Because uh, I got to, uh, you know, cough. All right. So we've got. Wait. Hold on. Let me. So there I was wandering. You have no idea. This is 6.8 seconds worth of audio that I spent all day capturing and processing. That's If you ever wonder why I'm behind somebody... Oh, your job is hard. I was just going to say, if you ever wonder, I'm so behind. I can't go anywhere. I have to stay at the office and do all this work. It's because I've spent like an hour trying to track down some small creature wandering through the ventilation system. And the weird thing was, first of all, I don't know how anything would get into the ventilation system here anyway, because I think it, I think it's all... I think it's constructed so the ventilation system is one way only. In other words, so the uh, you know when it vents to the roof, I think the rooftop vent is designed so that nothing can get into it. Uh, Rick, this email says the animal you hear in the ventilation system is not a bat. In fact, it is a mogwai. Whatever you do, please put no water into your ventilation system. Uh, this email says Rick. At the risk of prompting a rant related to Mr. Holland's opus, Jean Louisa Kelly was the babe who had the crush on Mr. Holland. Um, oh, Rowena, or whatever. What an I unpleasant thought the worst name that movie is. with the woman who played Mr. Holland's wife. I don't even that. remember who that was. I tried to block that entire movie out of my head. I can't remember either. What is her name? Nothing. It begins with a G. Like, yeah. It's this movie called Paper House. Kiki and I had our girls' night, and we, we picked some stupid horror movie and watch it. Paper House, not Glass House. No, it's called Paper House. All right. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, all I know is that the girl, the red-headed girl in Mr. Holland's opus that ends up becoming the state senator or the mayor or the congresswoman or whatever she is, she shows up at the end. You know what I'm talking about? This, this, some red-headed... It's been so long since I've seen that. And it's a terrible film. And I know everybody's going to call it, I love it. It tried to tell me how to love it. And it, it was filmed in Portland. It's, or part of it was filmed in Portland, so people got to love it and whatever. Up the high school in Powell. Yeah, I'm sure... I'm, I'm sure that there are many people who feel warmly about Mr. Holland's opus. I just Glenn Headley. I don't happen to be one of those people. Um, all I know is that the red-headed girl in Mr. Holland's opus, who I think is... She's like the girl that he can't quite reach or whatever. Because there's always that. Every super teacher movie has that character. It's like the, the student. If only someone could reach the student. Um, and then she shows up at the end. And she's she's made something of herself, of course. And it was all because of the influence of Mr. Holland. Um, and it, it, she's like some government official or whatever. Um, she is the same girl who was in this uh, fantastic lesbian spree-killing movie called Fun which is a great movie about a pair of hot lesbians who kill people and then make out. It's just a fantastic film, and I'm perhaps making it sound a little seedier than it really is. I think it was actually a Sundance film. Oh, the chick from Six Feet Under? Yeah. Okay. Wait, no. No, 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 she's that's not headed. her. Therefore, the no, so, she's so are you. It doesn't and mean she was in Mr. Holland's Opus. Uh, now I don't even know what we're talking about. Okay, and Steve Kastenbaum is late calling us. Scotty, can you please um, 
Can you please to find out where Steve Kastenbaum is? That's not the girl from Six Feet Under. That's Alicia Witt. She was on The Sopranos. Alicia Witt was on The Sopranos. She is not the girl from Six Feet Under. Where do I know her from? The, uh, she was in. She uh, she was uh, a love interest of Christopher Moltisanti uh, for a couple episodes on The Sopranos. That girl, Alicia Witt. She was in again this movie Fun, uh, which is just a fantastic film. Um, it, she was in Mr. Holland's Opus. I don't know what the hell she's been in. I know she was in Twin Peaks. That's where I know her. Okay. From. The girl from Six Feet Under is in that new Romeo and Juliet thing that they're making. That's that's what she's done. So I'm really just. It's not that I'm killing time as such as that I'm afraid to start anything because we're supposed to be talking to uh, to Steve Kastenbaum at any moment. I mean, I guess I could always just fill the slack moment with. Why don't you tell us what that animal is? Well, do you? I hate to. I really hate to put it this way, but do you have a do you have a guess? Before I reveal it, I, you have no idea. I guess you do because I've described that ad infinitum. The amount of time that went into the seven seconds of audio uh, from which I just planned to wring endless hours of show material today. But it's all sort of, sort of short-circuited because the animal was caught. The animal was, was discovered. I will tell you this, that there was this long uh, discussion yesterday in the hallway with two people. One guy insisting that it was a bat and another guy. And at a certain point, it got really... Uh, I won't say it got violent, but it did become a little heated. Uh, with one guy going, it's not a bat, it's a bird. And the other guy saying, it's not a bird, it's a bat. And they were sort of edging closer and closer to each other as they talked. I feared that it was going to erupt into violence. I'm going for what I, what I hope it is, and I'm, I think it's a bat. See, how great would that be? No, not a bat. Oh. Some kind of rodent? It's a thing you're never going to guess. See, you would think so, right? You would think it was a mouse, maybe. Yeah. Not a mouse. How would a mouse get up in the ventilation system anyway, though? How would a bat get in the ventilation system? So it must be a baby bird. Is this the answer you've decided to stick with? Yes. Baby bird is the answer you're sticking like a with. Like a bird. No, or, the or answer... a small puppy. No. <laughs> or a small child. No, no, the answer is not a baby bird. The answer is, and I didn't I didn't see this, but Sarah Wagner told me the whole story this morning about how they apparently caught this creature. Apparently that is in fact a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Which I never even knew that squirrels made noise. Are you kidding me? I've never in my life heard a squirrel all oh, I am accosted thing... by angry squirrels whenever I walk my Well we've had the discussion about you being attacked by squirrels. The barking squirrels. Because because we've had what well, but all I ever know the squirrels to do is to make that they make the sound and then they also um flipper noise. Yeah, they make these I've never heard them squeak. That's though. what I'm saying. I hear them kind of make a screaming noise. I mean, I like have that. a screaming noise as they as they swoop down on you with a homemade web going right for your jugular so they can drink your sweet, tasty courage. I mean, I'm not saying that they're fat. I have no reason to believe that they are bearing false witness against me. I do, in fact, believe it was a squirrel. I have no reason to doubt them. I'm just saying that some sort of weird hybridized squirrel or something thing, because I've never heard a squirrel make that noise. Anyway, so apparently they lured it out of the uh, ventilation system today into a box. With uh, squirrels are evil little things, too. Something out of the vending machine. Little disease carriers. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, well, oh, I don't have the, uh, this was my, you know, I got like a, Can you just send that to me so I can put it in And the I have like nine hours to prepare for this. Let's welcome now. You see how much more interesting it would have been, though, if we hadn't caught the creature? I could have killed like two or three days with that. Like, what do you suppose this creature is? 
Because I really am that hack-like. But no. No. Spent all day afternoon doing that, and she had to come in and ruin it for me this morning by telling me that caught it. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, the one and only Steve Kastenbaum joining us now on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, could, could be better. This is a hard day for us here in New York. I suppose that's true. And, uh, and uh, I guess there's, I guess there are different levels of how anybody, uh, sort of reacts to this. I was saying earlier at the top of the show that it's, it, obviously we here on this program, because our program is a little different than most regular news talk stations, in that, um, you know, I said that we're not gonna, uh, you know, we're not gonna spend the totality of the program, uh, talking on it and, and dwelling on it, because there's certainly places that people can go if they want to do. They want to hear about that, but at the same time, we're not going to pretend it didn't happen. And I had forgotten that you were actually at, uh, you were at 1010 Winds. You were at the radio station, CBS radio station, actually, uh, when this happened. Yeah, I was um, working there as a general assignment reporter uh, for a while at, by, by that time, and uh, I was. Uh, down at Ground Zero that day and for uh, the subsequent days and weeks afterwards. And so I, so lay it out for me, I mean, if, if, if you would, uh, the, sure. the sort of development of how, because it was at what, 6 a.m. or something, New York time, 7 a.m.? The, the first plane hit uh, just after a quarter to nine, a few minutes afterwards. All right. So and... uh, I'm laying in bed. Uh, I was actually scheduled to work late that Tuesday because we had a local election going on. So I couldn't understand what had woken me up. I didn't understand why I woke up early because I didn't set my alarm. And then I turned on the radio and I heard uh, somebody on our station talking about a plane hitting the Twin Towers. And I thought, oh, geez, one of those small planes that we would regularly see going up and down the Hudson River must have veered off course or something. And then I opened my window and I saw this immense amount of smoke and flames shooting out of the tower and, and papers that were literally on the desks of people in those op- belonging to people who were in those offices literally had flown across the East River and were landing uh, on my apartment building's property, uh, you know, miles away. You know, that's when I immediately realized this was no small plane and couldn't figure out how could a plane veer off course that much, you know, and, and hit the towers, you know. They follow a beacon into the local airports. I don't understand what happened. And then... You know, moments after that, the second plane hit, and that's when you realize this was not an accident. This was something that was orchestrated. And the thing I remember the most about uh, that day, and obviously your memories will be very different and much more vivid than mine, certainly. The thing I remember is driving into work, and I, as I told the story yesterday, I got a call from my program director, and he said, hey, I'm sure you've heard, come to work. And I had no idea. But when he said, I'm sure you've heard, get to work, my first thought was that the guy who did the show before me hadn't shown up, was sick, had been in an accident, wasn't there. And then, like everybody else, you know, as, as every one of these stories ends, then I turned on the television. Um, and so I came to work, and the thing that I remember is, and this is a phrase that I use a lot, because it's one of the best phrases I've ever heard to describe a certain feeling. In the book, A Vast Conspiracy, which is about the Monica Lewinsky uh, scandal, Jeffrey Tubin uses this phrase where he says, there was a sense of national vertigo of things, uh, I'm sorry, of events spinning out of control. And... That is the overwhelming sensation I have of of, of that day, of September 11th, of the, the story sort of, um, 
growing geometrically, of just mushrooming out of control. Because first it was one plane, then it was the second plane, then it, we heard that there was that there was another the, the Pentagon, and then we heard falsely at the time that there was a, I think a parking garage or something that had blown up, or they had discovered you know some huge uh, bomb to, to, to set to go off somewhere at some parking garage in Pennsylvania or something like that, and that was a thing that we heard reported to us as fact on the air at one of our sister stations, and of course then we found out that wasn't true, and then there was this this business of a, of a flight. Uh, what, 93, I think it was, and it was just a sense of something that just the initial stage of the event was so big and so surreal that it could almost not be grasped, and so you found yourself with your tiny human brain trying to grasp a series of events that were almost ungraspable, like, from, from go, and that then just became exponentially more so as the day went on. I mean, that almost you just could not even register any of it well even even being down there and witnessing them close up it was just completely incomprehensible i mean especially when you saw the towers collapse one by one and then the number seven world trade center collapsed later in the day just witnessing that up close it was almost too unbelievable i mean it was too just remarkable to even think that it was actually happening like how could that building collapse you know it's one thing to see it on fire you know and it and it withstood hurricanes and, and storms and blizzards, and, and, and to think that it actually would collapse. I don't think anybody even imagined that would ever happen, even if it had caught on fire. So to even witness that happening before your eyes, it was a sense of no, no, that just did not happen. I, I think that the, the one soundbite from that day that probably stays with me more than the others, we were, uh, at the time I was at a station that was an Imus in the Morning affiliate, and um, I think it was Sid uh, from the Imus in the Morning show who was at his, I think he was at his home for some reason. He was gone that day or he was on vacation or he was sick or something. Um, but he was gone that day, I, I believe. But for whatever reason, he wasn't in the studio. But he was, he was at some place with a clear view of the towers. And there was all of this smoke happening. And all this smoke had filled the air. And it was, you, you couldn't, you know, you, it was hard to see anything that was going on. And he was on the phone with the Imus folks. And, I will never forget the conversation back and forth between Imus and Bernie McGurk and those guys and Sid. And Sid said, well, it's gone. And they said, well, what's gone? And he said, well, it's the, the building. It's gone. And just as you described it, they kept having this back and forth where they kept saying to him, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? What's gone? And he just kind of kept saying it over and over again. But it was just so – it was the very definition of inconceivable. Uh, it really was. I mean, I had it was just so unbelievable. I had auditory exclusion. I mean, um, if you if you've seen the opening scenes in Saving Private Ryan when they stormed the beaches in Normandy, and uh, Tom Hanks's character uh, is seeing all this death and destruction going on around him, and, and he's in this incredibly stressful environment uh, as they're storming the beaches, and all of a sudden he just goes deaf momentarily, and he sees all this stuff happening around him, but he hears nothing, and that's what happened to me. I saw the building collapse. Could, just couldn't it just couldn't register with me, and my body started to shut down my my hearing because I could see people running and the looks of horror on their faces and 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 what I thought were screams, you know, expressions of screaming, and and obviously it had a tremendous noise in Lower Manhattan when that happened, uh, but uh, my my body was just in such a state of shock watching that it literally shut off my hearing for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. uh... 
So I know this is a, a big, probably this is too vague a question to even really be answered. But so on a day like today, you know, and Americans and I think people tend to really note uh, anniversaries in increments of five and ten. Mm-hmm. But on a day like today, what is? It, I mean, if you could take the temperature, of the you know, of New York emotionally, what, what's the what is the vibe, for lack of a better word, uh, in well, New York City today? The further you get away from ground zero, the the less you you hear a mention of it, and life goes on as normal. Even even in Lower Manhattan, though, in the financial district, you know, it's business as usual, despite the moments of silence at the stock exchange and and, and down in Lower Manhattan. You know, it's it's a business day. Things have to go on, and and uh, but for the, for the relatives of, of the victims of 9/11, nothing has changed. You know, their pain that they feel today is just as strong and just as hurtful as it was six years ago. And that'll never change, especially for those the the, the thousands who did uh, didn't receive uh, any remains, didn't have their loved ones' uh, remains identified. So the the pain and the hurt goes on. And and this year, though, the, the ceremony for the first time at a park near Ground Zero, not within the perimeter of the World Trade Center site itself. So it was a uh, somewhat subdued, especially as compared to last year, the the massive production that went into the. 50-year anniversary. This year, definitely much more subdued, but at the same time, a very intimate ceremony for, for New Yorkers because uh, the site that was chosen, people who were going to work this morning were able to get much closer to the ceremony this year than they would have uh, in years past. Normally, just the family members were in, allowed in this area, but the, the perimeter uh, was very accessible this year, so folks who were heading on their ways uh, to, to their offices were able to stop by and just you know take part in the ceremony even along the perimeter. You know, it's interesting. I uh, when I had been to New York a few times uh, before, uh, you know, and like like every you know dopey tourist, I went up to the whatever that Windows on the World restaurant or whatever whatever was at the you know, top of the World Trade Center, and have having been there subsequently, and it doesn't even seem that area Ground Zero just seems like such a small uh, place, square footage wise, when you're there. It almost you can't even conceive that those massive buildings were there. So this may be a thing that actually is widely known. Maybe I'm just dumb and don't know this. But I mean, have they? We heard that they were going to be building some some new structure there. We heard about it was like going to be the, the Freedom Tower or something. It was going to be some 1776 foot tall building or whatever. I mean, is what is there right now? Have they built something? Are they building something? The construction is actually um, going forward at a pretty fast pace right now because uh, they finally, you know dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and were able to move forward um, uh, a few months ago. And, and so the building is going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The uh, construction workers are working 12-hour shifts, and they're trying to get the Freedom Tower, you know, moving towards the sky so you can see some progress there. Uh, the construction cranes are, are all over the site as well, and that's one of the reasons why they moved the ceremony to this uh, plaza that is diagonally across from Ground Zero this year because uh, city officials just didn't feel like it was safe enough to have this many relatives within uh, the, the pit, uh, although they were still allowed to walk down the giant access ramp and lay flowers and wreaths and other memorabilia at the bedrock level, uh, they just weren't able to hold the site within the perimeter, of the, uh, the ceremony rather, within the perimeter this year. Uh, not to be, I know that you were, we're all kind of uh, under the gun time-wise here, but not to be. Uh, Sort of morbid about this, but do they do they anticipate any difficulty? Get I mean, we've asked the question before: Is, is anybody going to want to be in that new building, office space wise, rental space? I mean, do they anticipate a problem with that? Is that to, uh, or do they just they figure that it's going to fill right up once they got it built? Well, to be honest, they had problems filling up the twin towers when the twin towers opened, and and they they wanted it to be this sort of world financial type center where all these international business uh, importers and exporters would be housed, and that just didn't happen. 
So that you know, that's, that's why they named it the World Trade Center. But uh, it was it was expensive. It was um, you know you, you couldn't move in and out uh, very quickly because you had to take uh, elevators up to these what they called sky lobbies and then switch to another elevator to get to a, a, a higher up floor. So. Um, even back then, it was hard to get tenants, and so a lot of different agencies moved in there, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey uh, one, being one of them. And that's the case right now for the uh, for the Freedom Tower. When it's open, one of the first tenants, again, will be the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, uh, and a lot of other government offices will be um, will be blazing the path, uh, you know, into those buildings before they start getting some of the uh, private uh, businesses in there, although... Some of the other surrounding buildings at the site uh, already do have tenants, uh, such as uh, Chase has pledged to move into the building that will take the place of the Deutsche Bank building, and, and Number 7 World Trade Center, which is already open. Uh, that's a, um, a building that's more than 50 stories high. It already has several tenants there. It's, uh, so the Freedom Tower is one that will likely uh, be harder to fill uh, over time. All right. Uh, in New York City on September 11, 2007, Steve Kastenbaum. Thank you, my friend. You have a... Uh... A good day under the circumstances. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum in New York. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I mean... I'm, that's my fault. Did I need to put he, him on hold to talk to you? No, no. I just sent him an email. All right. Okay. Because you're going to be... Uh, you're going to be there. When is it you're going to be? Oh, next week. When next, I'm gone as well. This Friday. All right. Uh, oh, you're leaving Friday after the show? Mm, well, l- later in the evening. All right. Uh, Tim Riley is preparing news for you. We'll roll the news hour here in just a moment. Later on, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Uh, top five uh, musician at Comebacks. And uh, what the hell else did I write? Oh, we have a double geek watch we're going to get to as well, plus Chris Neven from OnTheVig.com. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. By the way, this just in. We've got this. Okay, here's the squeaking. First of all, I'm going to ignore the guy who said it's a huge spider waiting to drink your blood. We have this now. Let's see. Where did I? Uh, where did I put it? Dave Zinn wants us to know. Rick, this morning the mystery creature, a baby squirrel, was returned to the front parking lot, only to return to the ventilation system once again. It's now squeaking upstairs. <laughs> Fantastic. So there you go. It's going to be show prep now. I mean, come hell or high water, I will milk show material out of this. Yeah, apparently it's back upstairs now in the Oh, I want to rescue again. the baby squirrel. Yeah. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. Now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So the question is, how does a squirrel gain access? Do we have a chimney on the roof? Well, apparently, let's see here. Uh, somebody sent me an email about that. Rick, all ventilation systems pull a certain percentage of their air from the outside to keep it fresh and prevent it from getting stale. Probably came in through the vent, says uh, this guy, says some guy named Chad. So there you go. So, uh, but whatever. I mean, so we put it in the front parking lot, which is the one that faces First Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and but apparently it's now back in. So I guess the squirrel smells something inside that he wants, and he knows some secret way into the building that we're not privy to. It doesn't sound at all like like what I think a squirrel should sound like, though. It's, it's a little baby. Of, some sort of weird super squirrel. All right. 
Here's uh, Tim So maybe Ryan. he smells nuts in there or something. 71 degrees currently, and it's supposed to be in the 90s again today. Portland police investigators say they have the man believed responsible for shooting up uh, some people in uh, southeast Portland and disrupting traffic on the max. They all do this. The officers uh, taped off several blocks during the investigation. This happened last night at 6.15. And this is, uh, happened at Burnside near Northeast 160th. When a woman and a bleeding man ran down the street. Uh, the two reportedly told the police officer that the 30-year-old man had just been shot with a man who was still in the neighborhood. That's what you do in Southeast. You don't go to Burning Man. You go to Bleeding Man. You're Bleeding Man. They pointed the officer to a man driving away the apartment complex they say he came from. Uh, they were able to call the ambulance and detain the suspect. He is 38-year-old Junior Lee Hillman. His first name is Junior? <laughs> Junior someone, Lee Hillman. Someone got the blanks uh, reversed on their birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that could be. Which name goes where? I don't know. Just get to writing. So he's charged with attempted murder, felon, and felon imposition of a firearm. Well done. Uh, witnesses at the scene say uh, Joshua Walker was shot in the side and the hand with a shotgun. With a shotgun. Mm-hmm. You know, being shot in the hand sounds really unpleasant. I mean, not that it sounds pleasant to be shot anywhere. Being shot in the hand sounds like a singular kind of pain, though, because that's where all your bones... Aren't there more bones in your hand than anywhere else in your body? I'm not a bone expert. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Sarah? Anyone? In your hand? It's either your hand or your foot. I thought it was your foot. Maybe. Being yeah, That's got to be no picnic either. All right. Well, you know, so what is he? He's charged with like 900 different things and then shooting some. Well, you know, anything we're doing is worth overdoing. So So the 162nd and Burnside max stop was closed. You're pitying the poor people trying to get back and forth. If it isn't 82nd Street, now it's 162nd. It's just spreading out like some sort of a uh, criminal cancer. Why the... can't they build tracks around bad areas? <laughs> they, well, or... Is this know... a politically correct thing to do? To you... expose the general public to danger on the way to the airport? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to get to the airport to go to Akron. Um, I mean... Yeah, I, I have no, I have no explanation. I mean, you're really right because if you take, okay, now if you take the max line to the airport from downtown, uh-huh. does it go through that area? Yeah. Well, the, the, the airport line, soul. the airport line starts in uh, Beaverton. It's okay. it's the red line. Right, but I mean, I but see, I never catch it from there. I would only catch it from like, um, like the Hollywood area. Okay, you can catch it from the Hollywood area. But but, but then it still has to go uh, through this particular triangle of death. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> you, you, you you go through our little own little Baghdad, which is 82nd and 162nd, and then it starts getting a little bit better for people because the shootings fade. Right, because it stops at the new IKEA. <laughs> of course, IKEA. IKEA is sort of a landmark. That is the. Uh... So as you're covered with blood, you can get off at IKEA <laughs> and buy reasonably priced furniture yes. of all varieties. <laughs> with your last dying breaths, you may take out your visa and buy some sort of interesting canopy that looks like a bed bug for your children's uh, for your children's room. And my last. So, so why on earth did we put these max stops? My last. In the most wish undesirable areas. Before I die, is to have. Reasonably priced Chinese lanterns for my living room. Uh, I'm not sure they sell lanterns there. Don't they sell the, the you know what I'm talking about, the Chinese the Chinese lights? They're sort of, they're sort of globes, but they're paper. Doesn't that seem like a thing Ikea would sell? Yes, That's, it would. Maybe they did. Tim says rather defensively. Are you an Ikea fan? I've never been there. That does surprise me. It is a very suburban store. It's it's too far from the suburbs, actually. Okay. It's not located in the suburbs. Well, and, and of course, you have, I mean, you would have no way to get anything home. 
No. I mean, you, you're probably not going to drive that far. No. Uh, and you can't really get on the max with some sort of, like, bunk bed that you've just purchased at Ikea. I saw somebody with this huge carpet <laughs> on the other day. <laughs> with a body rolled Sitting up inside right of it. to me. Well, you gotta get every, got to get rid of this hooker somehow. How does it... Does Ikea deliver? I don't think so. Scotty, does Ikea deliver? I mean, like, if you go to Ikea and you buy, like, a big... Like, a couch or something, uh, will they deliver that to your home? Home? He doesn't know. Maybe he now no, he's been busy moving. Uh, oh, this is oh, I forgot to relay the great comment from Scotty at the beginning of the show here. Um, so I was talking to Scotty and I went in and I said, hey, we're going to talk to uh, you know Jim Roop and see Casimir. I said we got Chris Neven coming up at two, um, and he said okay. And I'm just confirming with I can't really do an invitation to Scotty because I'm just confirming with Mr. Skin right now. And I said, well, what? But it's Tuesday. And he said, no, Rick, it's Wednesday. And I said, no, no, Scotty, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. And I pointed actually to the email he was writing where like. Like when you hit, you know, start or compose, it says in big letters, like, Tuesday, September 11th, which is kind of a notable date. It says Tuesday. And I said, see, look, Scotty, it's Tuesday. And he said, well, damn, I'd really like for it to be Wednesday. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And you realize that you're talking to him as though he is deficient in some way, which I'm sure he is not. And, and I said, well, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. And he goes, because if it's Wednesday, that's the day I get a vacuum. Oh, that's and then he boring. just lapsed into silence, and it was really like having my own little Ralph Wiggum moment. It really was. It was sleep. That's where I'm a Viking. What uh, kind of vacuum is it? Uh, you'd have to ask Scotty about that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yes, IKEA does deliver. For how much? Uh, beats the heck out of me. I don't bother. I'll get. <laughs> Okay. But they sell they do sell Chinese lanterns. Do they? Of course they do. That's exactly the kind of I could list right now a whole bunch of things that I'll guarantee you. Uh, IKEA sells. Uh, IKEA sells those. I'll, I'll I'll bet you right now uh, that they sell like little paper lights shaped like fish. Okay. You know that you hang around your patio out back when you're having luau night with your hideous suburban neighbors. Oh yes. They, right before they, William they, H Macy fishes your wife's keys out of a bowl. Right. I've got a really quick question for you, Rick. Uh huh. Um. For a high-concept topic, yes, uh, and this may come as a shock to most people, but I have a 12-year-old daughter, and I'm wondering, what is the best, worst movie ever? The best, worst movie? What does this have to do with you having a 12-year-old like, daughter? Like, killer, Well, she loves the horrible zombie movies, but I don't want all the blood and gore and sex. So uh, what I'm thinking is, if I could put the power of the Rick Emerson audience to come up with something slightly better than Attack of the Killer Tomatoes... Um, you know, that that probably... Uh, you want an enjoyable, bad film for a 12-year-old? Yes. Mm, well, I'll think on it. Okay, one one more thing. One more quick thing. Uh, yes. I know you uh, you enjoyed the How It's Made program. I do indeed. I was sitting watching that the other night, and they took you through the uh, the uh, Tickle Me Elmo factory. Really? Yeah, it was, it was really... It was actually kind of interesting to see how they put those things together. But you know what they give them before... What they do before they... Uh, before they ship, send them into the box and ship them out? Wait, why do I sense that there's some sort of a joke coming? What do they do, sir? They give them a couple test tickles. Right, bye now. Thanks. That call was a waste. <laughs> Forty seconds closer to the grave, Tim. Uh, somebody with a call on our uh, non-bat on the mystery hey. nose. Hello, hi, sir. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? So, uh, uh, it's good that the squirrel is back. You, you've got a, a good opportunity there. You got to catch it again, lure it out, and then train it to climb into your vending machine to help you when uh, 
your snacks get snagged on the coil. That is a great idea. And you already like snacks. I mean, they lured it out that way uh, the first time. That is a fantastic idea. And you can name it. That is, uh, okay, this really? Why don't we just put the snack machine on the roof? <laughs> no, this is a few steps. You know how I know this is a great idea that we train, we capture the squirrel and train it uh, Rambo style to get into the machine and to fetch me snack chips? Here's how I know it's a great idea, because without too much trouble, you can picture Homer Simpson doing this, doing all of these things. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, going to gotta, train it to get me pretzels. You just got to make sure that Brick doesn't eat your chocolate squirrel. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Oh, now, Scotty, is it training a squirrel? Well, yeah, I think you might be surprised, Tim. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. This just in. The Iraq ratings for Katie Couric, they're a brand new low. Some people thought traveling to Iraq and Syria would be a great rating set for Katie Couric. Hasn't worked out that way. CBS Evening News is now at a record low with just under 5.5 million viewers. Uh, that's even worse than she did before she left. However, the trip's journalism outweighed commercial considerations, uh -huh. says CBS News President Sean McManus. Of course. We were never expecting to do well in the ratings, and we didn't. <laughs> that's the attitude. Well done. We knew that this is a long-term commitment to Katie, uh -huh. and that the show, uh, well, we, we really felt it was important to establish our reporting there. And next, they're going to have her inspecting the inside of a mine shaft in Utah. No, go further down. No, we'll send a light later. No, further. Further. So they, they actually went into it saying they didn't expect to get good ratings out of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's almost hard to believe she's not doing better over there. Uh, oh, Scotty has a. Uh, Scotty's noted that he is getting a vacuum flow vacuum for the house. I don't know what that is. Is that some sort of special vacuum? One of the good ones. Something you can only get in the suburbs. Some sort of some sort of special vacuum they only sell to white folks in Beaverton and in Antanasborn. All right. Well, well I, I just had the carpet man come over the weekend. Better. Well, now let me ask you this: uh, Is there? Is there anything, Tim Ryland, I ask you, because you're not only a suburbanite, but uh, you're a slumlord as well, so undoubtedly your tenants are filthy, and they have uh, they leave. No, she's a very nice girl. Well, would you, is this the one that drove through the front of the house? Yes. Okay. Um, that was just that was uh, a mistake on her part. Let me just say this. Let, let's say, theoretically, I had blueberry stains all over my white carpet. What's going to get those out? I don't know. Okay. I, I like never, you eat fruit. I don't, but my dog does. Messily. When it's left why too you, close to the edge of the counter. Why do you let your dog eat, eat uh, it's not really a berries on a white carpet? It's not really a question of letting, Tim. Oh. It's not really... We didn't sit down and have a discussion about it. The dog and I did not have a dialogue about his ingesting of said blueberries. Mm. My wife bought a bunch of blueberries, and she left them uh, too close to the counter. I was not around to monitor it. And I came home, and Max had consumed all of the blueberries, but of course, lacking a knife and a fork and proper table manners. He just did so by spreading them all over the white carpet and the lid. It's more of a cream. Uh, there's carpet all over the living room. And then just mashing them to a fine paste with his snout and then licking it off the carpet. So his face and the rug were both purple. One of those things is now clean. So I'm just saying. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, squirrels are, uh, the, what the guy's suggestion was, uh, was amazing. Training squirrels is one of the easiest things in the world. The guy I knew in high school, he would bring a squirrel to school and he, his name was Trouble, and he trained it to seek out and scavenge cigarettes. Right, you're screwing with me. You're making this No, up. no, it would bring him cigarettes, like full cigarettes. It would go and steal people's packs of smoke, and we'd go into, their, into girls' purses or wherever he could find them, into people's cars. He would put it in people's cars and would go inside and steal cigarettes. You, you tr Okay, 
I'm absolutely serious. You trained a squirrel to... Incredibly trainable. You trained a squirrel to steal the cigarettes of others and then bring them to your friend. Yeah, amazing. How, uh, let me just ask you this. Just try to keep it short here, but long story short, how do you train a squirrel? Well, you know, I my dad has a technique for training cats how to take a dump in a toilet, but it ain't short. It ain't a short story. But I mean, really, but it's like like with a dog. Uh, you know, you you, you kind of have you sort of force the dog to do something. In other words, well, if the I dog starts to go. Well, I think it's because they're scavengers anyway. They're, but I'm they're saying, little, they're but little collectors already. So if you teach, if you give them a reward for a certain oh, thing they bring to oh. you, then you can teach them. Oh yeah, and a vacuum flow is a central vacuum cleaning system. I build homes, and they're only in the most expensive houses. I'm in a house in uh, what is it called Cedar Hills right now. Yeah. I have two two million dollar house. I'm doing some work here. But uh, way to go, Scotty. Get the dirt. Get, get the dirt and take it out of your house. That'll be Scotty's next home. All right. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. To remove those right. blueberry stains, apply a glycerin solution. Diluted one part to two parts water. Leave for about an hour to soften the stain and wash with detergent. But what if this happened like a year ago? Why are we talking about it now, then? Uh, oh, this is an old blueberry incident we're, we're <laughs> yes. talking about? Just a... I'm afraid you waited just a little <laughs> bit too long. It wasn't a year, but it was many months ago. Um, I've seen those central vacuum things. Those are badass. Yeah, they... And it all goes out to a box in the garage mm -hmm. that you then just dump out. The squirrel training thing is still a little weird to me. Because with a dog, like if a dog, you know, if he starts to go on the rug, you, you pick him up and you set him either outside or on newspaper or whatever. Uh, have, you know, and, and then you give him a small treat and he associates going in a certain place with, with you know, good behavior and a reward and whatever. And that's but with a squirrel... I mean, it's like the squirrel would have to get the cigarettes first, and then you would reward it for that behavior. But there's really no... Like, here's a, here's a question. A squirrel training video from YouTube. Are you... Really? Mm-hmm. It's loading right now. Do we feel like this is safe to play on the air? We don't know. What do the comments say? I, I, you can judge a lot of videos on YouTube by the comments. A lot of times the comments are simply like, you know, LOL, 111, 11D, Ruffle, you know, Lamo, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It, it's loading. Okay. Like if it says, like if it says a lot of things, like, dude, this is the illest s ever. Maybe we don't want to play it. I'm just the, the whole business of squirrels being scavengers, though. Like you would somehow have to get it. You would somehow have to have to have the squirrel get a cigarette initially, so that you could then reward it and start the cycle of behavior reward. How do you get the squirrel to initially get the first cigarette? I can't believe we're talking about giving cigarettes to a squirrel. Oh, this is about shocking squirrels. We probably don't want to. I don't even have anything with which to shock. I have a stapler. It says none of the squirrels shown in this video were killed by the training. <laughs> That's always what you like to see. None of them are dead. Yeah. They're all alive, sort Maybe of. we should pass on Yeah, let's not, let's, let's not. Do let's not do that. Let's... Okay, squirrels cannot be trained. At least not in, the, not in the manner on YouTube. They can only be trained Gitmo style. All right. Well, if you can't train squirrels, let's talk about the people who ride the rides at the Spokane County Interstate. You Fair. can train them with a shock collar. Despite two incidents over the weekend, the carnival rides will remain open at the Spokane County Interstate Fair. Butler Amusements, which operates the rides, have had other injury-related uh, accidents in Washington and other western <laughs> states. But uh, the Spokane uh, Fair officials believe these rides are safe. Sure. I'm very confident in their safety records, said the fair director, Rich Hartzell. On Saturday, a teenage boy got staples in his scalp oh. by hitting his head on a metal piece at the Gravitron. That's what you get for riding the stapler. A ride in which people are uh, pressed against the sides by a centrifugal force. You know the Gravitron. Have you ridden the Gravitron? Is there you know the Gravitron? Oh, yes. The Gravitron is the, the vomiter. Well, you got to get hurt. No, that thing sucks. The Gravitron is a ride you go on once, 
And if you ever go on it again, it's because there's something wrong with you. It, the Gravitron is one of those carnival rides. It, it's like... It, 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 it must solely... Tim, have you ridden the Gravitron? No. Rides are for children. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, sorry, Mr. Grown-Up Adult Man. Wears regular long pants. I'm um, totally going to Coney Island and riding that roller coaster out there. Uh, Good for you. I'm just saying, the Gravitron is a ride that solely subsists on first-time riders. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like some horrific food product uh, that subsists solely because people find it interesting and they try it once. There's no repeat business of the Gravitron. The Gravitron is like being inside a centrifuge. I mean, that's really what it is. You just get in there and it goes, and it spins around in a circle like a billion miles an hour. Then presses they hose you, it out at the end. <laughs> totally. They press you again. It presses you against the sides. You've had 15 boxes of cotton candy and a beer. It ends. You stagger out, and then you vomit, and then that's the end. The Gravitron is really... It's a ride in two parts. The first part is, is riding the ride. The second part is hurling your stomach contents onto a guy in front of you as soon as you weave out the door. At the the end. Gravitron didn't bother me so much, but, like, the octopus... Like where you're spinning around, but oh, also yeah. good, like the different arms yeah. are also spinning. Yeah, oh, that sucks. that's bad. You know what else sucks? Uh, you know what else will make people throw up? Is that uh, that uh, the, the Viking ship where it goes back? Oh, it doesn't yeah, ever go upside story. down, but it goes mm-hmm. almost upside down. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Viking ship ever completely does a 360, though. No. Here's the best carnival ride story ever. Um, it, maybe not ever. It's an interesting carnival ride story. I was riding the Viking ship once, and you know the deal is, it's, you know, it's just a, it's a ship, and then there's a big uh, metal pole that comes out of the top, and at the top of it is a huge counterweight. It, it's basically shaped like a giant anchor, and so there's a counterweight at the top, ship at the bottom, and then the counterweight starts rocking back and forth like a metronome at the top, and as the counterweight shifts right to left, the ship starts going up further and further on each side with every swing, and so I'm riding it. And we get to the point where it's almost upside down, not quite, almost upside down. And I look down at the counterweight, and on the bottom of the counterweight is just a huge thing of dried uh, barf right there. Just a huge thing of dried vomit <laughs> all over the counterweight. And they had just clearly, and I went back to that same it's carnival. Been since Toledo. I was going to say, and I went back to that same carnival about six months later, and it was, was still there. there. Vomit was still there. They hadn't even bothered to get rid of it. Apparently they decided it was just, uh, you know, just a little extra color. Uh, by the way, this email says, Rick, you can also teach the squirrel to water ski, thus ensuring that local news stations will always have a go- uh, go-to feel-good story to end their broadcast with. It's true. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Now back to the boy who was hurt on the ride. Oh. The boy said the operator started the ride much too fast, but according to an incident report, the operator said the boy ignored the warnings and climbed up into the walls of the ride. The Washington Department of Labor and Industries attributes this accident to rider error. Rider error. Rider error. How can it be due to rider error? What could you? Well, I got on. Mm-hmm. And then... Also Saturday, two 13-year-old girls escaped injury with a broken bolt and a missing pin. <laughs> Caused one side of the passenger cage to disconnect oh. and drop six inches oh. on a ride called the zipper. Oh. In which riders have flipped upside down as their cages rotate oh. along a moving oval boom. Once again, a broken bolt and a missing pin. Imagine caused the passenger cage to disconnect and drop. Imagine being on that ride, and then there's a lot of it, you know, and you hear that, what the, oh God, you know, and it's just, and it lurches over by about half a foot and just starts to lean down. I I can't even fathom how terrible. I mean, look, I find perfectly, uh, perfectly run, smoothly operating. 
um, uh, you know, roller coaster rides and what not to be terrifying. You know what I mean? Look at you. Call me whatever you want. Call me a pussy. Call me a coward. Doesn't matter. That's fine. I I have reached the. Somebody asked me the other day, actually. Um, if I was if I was like a roller coaster enthusiast, and I noted that I was when I was growing up, and I'm just not now. I don't know what it was. It's just like I don't know. I've just become much more aware aware of my fear of death from certain things. I know you're probably not going to die if you're not in Spokane. I mean, the last time I went on was at Magic Mountain, which is I mean, you know, there's no accident at Magic Mountain. They, that's like a billion dollar facility. They run that thing flawlessly. You're going to kill by the gang members. Yeah, there's. I was going to say you will, you will be shot and your uh, your body will be defiled outside and the gold pulled from your teeth, um, but you won't die inside from anything. No. But goddamn, it's your fellow attendees who will kill you. Then. Let me just tell you, with the last when Laura and I went to California last, we went to Magic Mountain, and uh, I essentially, and again, you just call me a sissy or whatever. I watched her ride roller coasters. That was our day at Magic Mountain. She's like, do you want to go? I'm like, nope, I'll watch you. You know, that's fine. Uh, I'm, it, it, they're terrifying. She went on this roller coaster called, uh, what is it, it like the Screaming Mimi or something it's called? I forget what it is. But it's one of those roller coasters where you're not in a car. It's like you're just wearing a vest that, like, goes clunk and slams down over you. And then there's, like, a little strap that kind of, like, wraps around between your legs. So there is no car, no chair, no bar. You are dangling in open space by a thing that you have pulled down over, you know, over your head that goes over your shoulders. Kind of like you're putting on a laser tag vest. Um, you then go up this massive hill, and the best part is not only are you dangling in open space with your feet just waving out in the air, you go up backward so you cannot see the top of the hill approaching. You have no idea where the top of the hill is coming up. And it goes up real slowly. So you are going up uh, this ramp backward, looking straight down the whole time, feet dangling in open space, at no idea, at no point do you know when you're about to reach the top. Then the added Philip here is that when you finally do get to the top, you realize that the little vest thing you are snapped into actually has um, like a little rotator in it, so you actually spin around like a record, too. And so as you, so you're, you know, feet down, going straight up, you know, going all the way to the top with your feet dangling down. When you get to the top and you go down the other side, you just start spinning around. So you're spinning around with your feet in open space as you are rocketing down this hill with your feet touching nothing at like, you know, whatever, 190 miles an hour or something. Just watching that thing, I felt like I was about to die. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. There's no way. Screw that. All right. Now, now, people are hurt riding the same rides at the Clark County Fair before in 2001. Seven people were injured in a hydraulic pump explosion at the Stardancer ride. Then uh, last year, two teenagers broke their arms on the tornado ride at the Clark County Fair. <laughs> the accident was caused by teens grabbing a moving part of the ride. What? No. That's like those kids. Gonna... don't know what to grab. I'm going to grab this branch when we go by. Don't grab the branch. Don't put your hands up when you go in the tunnel. A uh, six-year-old boy fell 90 feet to his death in San Joaquin, California at their county fair. After being put on the Ferris wheel alone, he crawled out of the gondola oh, car. Oh, oh. A man and a woman were seriously injured at a 2000 uh, appearance of these rides in San Jose when the chain broke on a whirlwind ride, throwing them 50 feet in the air with their seat. Uh, many of the chains on the ride seats are badly worn. Uh, police also found that the ride operator was drunk. <laughs> what, no, really? I'm stunned. I've always heard, I don't know if it's an urban legend or not, I have always heard that early on there was a woman thrown right out of the Matterhorn ride. Oh, that. 
at, at Disneyland, and that's the one that is up in the mountain, and it looks out, it overlooks the park. It's like really high. That's Not, a pretty cool ride. Yeah, except for the part where you're thrown out and then you fall to your death onto horrified uh, crowd goers below. It, yeah, because there's the Matterhorn, a lot of it's inside, but then there's that section where it's exposed to the outside, and we're just through her uh, right out of her seat, and, and then she just rained down uh, like so many, uh, like so many, you know, like so much chubby rain. It's just right down on the uh, on the fairgoers below. All right. Uh, well, here's what we got: blueberry stains, vomiting on the gravitron, training squirrels, or another carnival ride story. Gee, I don't know. They all sound good to me. Let's go for training squirrels. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show about training squirrels. Hey, best hey. show ever. Thank you. But it's early. Uh, yeah, squirrels are smart. I remember back back in the day at Estacada High School, uh, I used to see a squirrel taking cigarettes out of my car all the time. Are you? See, you're screwing with me. Did you really? No. No. Oh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, at least he was upfront about it. He didn't make me jump through a bunch of hoops to, un- to uncover his deception. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, let's do one more, and then we'll continue with the uh, the news here. Um, oh, I have a horrible story. Ew, did you read this from Aaron? No. No. I'll never forget this. I was a little over seven uh, years old, visiting right. relatives in Southern California, and while at the Orange County Fair, some folks are riding the zipper. Zipper? One of the carts flung off, and the impact ripped open the door as the person, who was not attached properly, flew forward, body and neck hit bent metal, and uh, bent and torn metal, wham, no more head. I didn't see the exact moment of head slicing, but damn. Thank you. Thanks for that. Oh, I'm never riding a ride again. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. I I saw the grossest thing I ever saw at a carnival in uh, Bakersfield, California. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. The Gravitron (laughs) got stuck, and it wouldn't stop, but the... The best thing about it is, you know how they always play that butt rock when they're doing the totally, graphic it's, all, it's yeah, like, it's they couldn't docking. stop that either. <laughs> yeah, it's always, it's a, you're always stuck in the Gravitron while Iron Man is playing over totally. and over again. But it was oh. so great because it, they couldn't stop it for like an hour. And like the people <laughs> inside were listening to the music and like by the time it stopped, everybody got dragged out by their feet and had to be sent to the hospital. Oh. Like nobody died, but every, everybody was completely messed up was forever a- for being in the dra- Gravitron for like an hour. Whirling around in the Gravitron oh. for an hour while your brain is liquefied and hot for teacher plays for the thousandth <laughs> With time. White snake. Jesus. Yeah, it was fantastic. White snake. White snake. <laughs> and meanwhile, everybody's throwing up and the vomit is just whirling around inside the Gravitron That's, with you. I, I would give anything to be there for that moment when they realize it's not going to stop. Yeah. You know, when they're like, woohoo, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, crap. And, that, like, the first person who vomits, and then it just keeps going from there, that would have been priceless. And then it becomes uh, then it becomes lard-ass and stand-by-me, where everybody <laughs> is just chain-vomiting. And then because it is a centrifuge, the vomit is then just separating into its component parts by molecular weight. That's exactly. the best part. Excellent. Yeah, Thank never you. go on a ride. You okay. will- all right, there you go. That's Michelle. Fantastic. That's a great call. I like anything that involves butt rock and vomit and somebody who was, quote, messed up for life because they were stuck inside the Gravitron. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Gravitron sound like he'd be some sort of a superhero? And his whole thing is like he just makes stuff real heavy. It sounds like he'd be a transformer. Totally. It's something that'll hurt you permanently. And he has, and he just has a, he has a completely useless power where he just makes objects really heavy. Well, I'm going to staple these documents. No, you will not, puny human. And he makes the stapler weigh like a thousand pounds. And then Bob goes and then Bob dislocates his arm trying to staple something. And then Gravitron smiles smugly and lurches away into the night. Maybe that's not such a good idea. Uh, Let's do one more, Tim, and then we'll take a break. Well, let's do a a Britney watch. Yes. 
Yes. We really need to update the Britney watch. We now officially need something new. I mean, this is great, but its time has passed. We now really do need a new Britney watch. I don't even know what it would be. What would the new Britney watch even represent? I don't know. What would the point, what would the new Britney watch even have to convey? Maybe she's in a Gravitron. Might, uh, well, go ahead. Well, Britney has no one else to blame but herself for her disastrous performance at the MTV Video Music Awards. The lip-syncing tart showed up for a big comeback late, unprepared, and with a drink in the hand. Is this from a British tabloid? This is from uh, page six. Ah, excellent. On uh, Saturday, the day before the VMAs, uh, she was scheduled to arrive for a rehearsal around 1. But she didn't arrive until 4.30. It was a ridiculous incident. The production people at MTV were freaking out. Nobody could tell Britney what to do anymore. No one can control her. She is a mess. To make matters worse, when she arrived in Vegas, she didn't go straight to rehearsals. She went to her hotel room and ordered a bunch of food and some frozen margaritas. <laughs> she came down like an hour later with frozen margaritas in her hand. Yeah. When she performed on Sunday, she stumbled a couple times. Couldn't remember the word. She was lip-syncing. She covered her mouth at one point, but at the end of the song, she simply gave up any pretense of singing. The dance number was spectacular without her. When the stand-in was rehearsing with the dancers in the hours when they were waiting for it, it was amazing. Then Britney showed up and refused to do anything. The dancers were supposed to lift and twirl her in the air a few times. And that just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> a few more complicated dance moves had to be erased because she couldn't do them. Meantime, she became agitated because she didn't like the outfit MTV had selected for her. They wanted her to wear a corset outfit. It would have looked great and covered up a lot of things, but she hated it. She didn't think it was sexy enough. Oh, God. Instead, she changed into a spangly bra and underwear outfit mm. she brought with her that emphasized her weight gain over the past year. MTV executives weren't the only ones worried about her impending debacle. Another spy said the dancers were texting pals, asking them to pray for them. They were worried. <laughs> now, afterwards, she broke down in tears, then partied till 3 a.m. She changed outfits several times, and the end was photographed by paparazzi wearing no underwear. Really? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. that is, that's really last year Another insider says Brittany was crying badly backstage She was devastated She was really nervous And no, she screwed up uh, Let's see She was just plain nervous Because of all the hype And she's embarrassed And so uh, Let's see here That's about it I, I'm looking again at these pictures so She looked downcast and lonely Talking on the phone And biting her nails At her Mexican restaurant With a trio of family friends I, I'm looking at this picture Brittany And I think there's a couple things A as I said before, it's not even that she looks bad. It's a combination of two things. She's high. Well, she's high. And if you watch that video that's online of her performance uh, rehearsal, it's mm -hmm. much better. You know what? I'm, uh, I was looking, though, and they were saying how she didn't have time to rehearse because she got there so late. Uh -huh. So I'm thinking that that person might be, in fact, be her stand-in. Really? Because the person does look really good and a little, um, just like slightly slimmer than her. Yeah, well, there's no time to rehearse. There's too much drinking to do. Uh, the second thing is that the display of her lady parts left nothing to the imagination. That's my other thing. Ugh. Is as I noted, and I won't go on and on about this, but I, first well, of all, they're saying, they're saying she's a size ten, and I don't really know much about much. But a size ten is very—is is that big? I don't even know what a size ten is. Um, so I don't know whether that's big or not. But I mean, it's not that she looks bad here. She's it's a just size ten. Well, that's what they're claiming. They're, she is not. I don't think that's true either. Mm -hmm. I don't even really know what a size ten is, but they're claiming. Um, this, this is uh, some some fashion. I would say she's probably a size six. Some fashionista saying this girl has two kids. Ha, has, has has 
Sorry. The girl has had two kids. I hope I'm a size 10 after having two kids. So maybe that's someone who's now a size 19 that is wishing that they could be a size 10. It's just that she, A, has been so overexposed. I mean, really, once we've seen your vagina all over the news, I, there's just nothing. There's no thrill in seeing you in a bikini on MTV. It's just not going to work. It's not that it's a turn off. It's just that I don't even really notice her anymore. It's like at a certain point I stopped being in, interested at all in seeing Pamela Anderson's bosoms. I just, you know, we've all kind of seen them. There you go. There you go there. Their breasts. I've seen them. It, we, we've seen, I mean, is there any part of Britney Spears where we haven't seen? I'm pretty sure we've seen it all at this point. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. show is over. I mean, it's really, I, as Aaron once said, I think we've even seen her kidneys at this point. So it's not like there's anything really new there. And this outfit she's wearing, it's just that, um, not unlike like a lot of the Victoria's Secret stuff they sell and whatever, it's just that almost no one can wear these outfits. It's not like that. It's not just that, like, Britney now can't wear these outfits. It's that really almost mm-hmm. no one can wear these things and look good. There is a tiny, tiny window of time when a very small segment of society can wear these outfits and look good. Like, 98% of people can never wear this and look decent at all. I don't care how hot you are. You're going to look fat if you wear this. That's, that applies to almost everyone. Brittany has just left the former category, and she's now in the latter category of people who cannot dress like this anymore. I mean, not even Madonna tries to dress like this anymore. She she just re, she, she has realized it's time to move on. So there She you was photographed buying a marital aid. I saw that. And wear a, a purple penetrator. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's a strap-on. Seriously. Really? Really. Okay. Really? Really? Really. I don't even know how to... There's just so much in my head, I don't even know how to respond to that. How do you know that? Because I saw the picture. I saw the picture, too, but I figured it was just, you know, a... a, no, a, a I'll show you the picture that I, that I found. Does it show the harness or something? Uh-huh. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you have that picture now? No, well, I wanted to play something. The idea that Madonna's buying a strap-on is both... I mean... I, I really why would Madonna not buy a strap on? I, well, I was just gonna say I don't know. That really just caught me off guard just now because. But he, I thought that you were looking at me because I couldn't say strap on. No, I, I don't care. Freaking, you know, whatever. Yeah, say whatever on, you want. Strap on. No, you can no say what. Say strap on. Say whatever you want. Um, I'm just <laughs> strap on, strap off. Uh, the, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're so behind now. I was just my one observation about Madonna buying a strap on is this, a. I don't know why I should be... I'm not shocked. I guess I don't know why I should be surprised, but I guess I sort of am. I guess it just caught me off guard because I assumed it was something else. Maybe I guess to get for a friend. May, maybe. She's with her husband when she's buying it. Gift, I suppose. Uh, I got something to give you. Maybe she's going to baby shower for all I know. <laughs> what kind of baby shower? What kind of baby showers do you go to? You're pregnant. I brought you a strap-on. Um, the, I, guess, I guess I now view Madonna... As having moved on to sort of a different phase in her life, she has reinvented herself as sort of a mom and a, you know, a sort of quasi homemaker and so forth. I guess if I saw yeah, Harriet Nelson type, of yeah, exactly, Jane Wyman, uh, without the Spock ears or whatever. I thought if I, uh, I thought if like if you saw like Human Nature era Madonna buying a strap on, you'd be like, yeah, strap on Madonna, of course, whatever. I guess it's just sort of caught me off guard. That's enough talk about Madonna's strap-ons. Let's uh, take a break, shall we? 
We come back. More news with Tim Riley. Won't that be exciting? Mm-hmm. Later on, Jim Roop, Chris Sneath, and Top 5, all that you say there. It's a Rick Emerson Is that a Britney show. watch? Yes, there you go. Don't go anywhere. It's Britney, bitch. Oh, Before you go, there's something I want you to have. the Rick Emerson show about squirrels. This email says, Rick, there's a squirrel at Beaverton Park that knows how to eat with a plastic fork. It's very cute. That's kind of unnerving. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Meanwhile, the world's uh, smartest parrot has died. This parrot learned 100 English words, and uh, his name was Alex. He was an African gray parrot. He died apparently of natural causes. He was 31. Uh, he used to, uh, like to use one-liners like, calm down, good morning. He could express frustration or apparent boredom, and his cognitive and language skills appear to be above that of trying, uh, trained primates. His accomplishments have also inspired further work with African gray parrots, including two others. So, uh, what was his name? Dr. Pepperberg? No, his name was Alex. But the person who worked with him was named Dr. Pepperberg. Dr. Pepperberg is a great... Dr. Pepperberg... Uh, that's like one of those uh, fake homemade companies that's like Hormel would come up with to sell you a particular type of ham or something. Mm-hmm. You know, made in small batches right here in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Dr. Pepperberg's bacon. Oh, and clearing up something we said yesterday. Well, I noticed uh, Jane Wyman's people have shaved three years after her age in death. Really? She was 93 yesterday. Today, she's dead at the age of 90. Eventually, she'll have died as a fetus. Well, Michael Reagan was actually adopted by them. Yes, yes, he was. So we left that he's part He's not out. a real Reagan. No, he's not a real Reagan. He's, he's kind fake. of a drooling Reagan. <laughs> well, now that Ronald's gone, they need one. And their other daughter, uh, Christine... Uh, I don't see, even know who that is. ...died the day after she was born Oh, in 1947. That's that, why you don't know that who would, he is. That would explain that, and wouldn't it? And the other daughter, Maureen, died of cancer in 2001. So Michael Reagan, who's not really a blood relative of that marriage, is the only one still alive. Oh, how weird, too, that he's the last one standing. It's like yeah. how Brian Wilson is the only surviving member of the Wilson family. Mm-hmm. The man least likely. Michael Reagan, probably sitting at a bar somewhere with Michael Dornan as we speak. So that's that. So Jane Wyman dead. is now dead at the age of 90 and not 93. I played Spock's mother, by the way. Oh, that's right. Well, let's get back to this uh, war thing, because that's all we care about. Uh, there's some uh, congressional backlash against the liberal anti-war group MoveOn.org uh, for placing a full-page ad of the New York Times, naming General David Petraeus as Betray Us. Uh, uh. Uh, Texas Senator John Cronin, along with other Republicans, introduced the bill that would denounce this slanderous ad. Like that would do anything. I introduced a resolution on the floor of the Senate inviting our colleagues on the Democrat side of the aisle to join us in condemning this despicable attack against this great patriot. They uh, objected to considering the amendment. No one cares. Yeah. Except well, I, the relatives have right wing radio and the Democrats have moveon.org. Yeah. I, and I will simply say this. That, yeah, what that, page was that on? You were, were going to note that exactly. The moveon.org is the rabid talk radio of, of the left. Right. Uh, and my wife is a uh, my wife is a member of moveon.org until she gets just crap in the mail uh, constantly. I don't um, like joining things because the day after you join, they always tell you, 
well, your membership just ran out. Oh, but, man. But I signed up yesterday. Dude, let me, let me tell you this. And don't ever become a card-carrying member of the ACLU, Tim Riley. Because let me just tell you. <laughs> you just write it off. Like, you, just didn't, you didn't even consider it for a picosecond. No. Just don't. Okay, fine. Uh, as soon as you become a member of the ACLU, look, here's the thing. I'm not saying that there aren't problems in this country. Um, we've got problems right here in River City and everywhere. Um, but the thing about the ACLU is there's this guy, Anthony Romero, who's the president of the ACLU. And as soon as you become a member of the ACLU, every I swear to God, every single day, there is an email in your inbox Telling you that the gravest threat ever to American liberties is to send us $12. I mean, it's every single day, there's something that those people have never met hyperbola that they did not want to use every single day. There's something that is going to just completely wreck and destroy our fading republic unless I send a check right now. That's it. So, and moveon.org is very much the same way. Like, I just I want a box that says, like, look, I'll give you three times the donation. Just don't ask me to do anything. I'm an American. I don't wish to... I wish to help with my checkbook, and in no other way. Well, if you drop stuff up, like the Salvation Army box, they don't bother you. Really? Yeah. All right. I do that every year. Let's see. What else is here? Oh, there's another group in the paper, freedomwatch.org. Surrender to terrorists is not an option. Uh, well, you should know that they're, but they're conservatives, right? Because they usually use freedom. Anytime that some, something says freedom, or you liberty. know you're in trouble. Freedom. It's, it's not your freedom or liberty that they're, <laughs> that they're afraid of. It's theirs. The freedom of white people in Iowa is under siege. It is a global war that must be fought and won. Now Congress must make an important and historic choice. Surrender to terrorists. Did they really say and historic? And historic. <sighs> Important and historic. But see, but, oh, and okay, but okay, yeah. it's, it's A and D, all right? That's right. different. Okay, God. You know, if I let just... us resolve to never let it happen again. Remember those who died. Oh, jeez, it's a full page ad too. It's not even in color. <laughs> what kind of patriots are these? There's, they so can't the New York even... Times is full of this stuff today. The New York Times does accept color advertising. You know, Bank uh... of America spent money on the color ad. Yeah, all the 9/11 ads are in black and white. Yes, they are. All of them. All right. Draw your own conclusions from that. Oh, I had something else in here that I was going to tell you about, too. This really has become Coffee Talk and NPR, where we are literally sitting in the studio listening to Tim Riley thumb through the New York Times. Well, I had another article. I have so much to talk about. Listen today. to Tim thumb through the old gray lady. Well, I'll find what I'm talking about later. Is New York Times the old gray lady? Or is it a submarine? Well, submarines are old gray ladies. as our battleship. There was that movie Gray Lady Down. It might be, but I can't find the article I was looking for. You know, never, never before have we sounded so much like that Saturday night show Kim Morgan used to do. Oh, the Kim Morgan sit here and rifle through some things on the desk. The Kim Morgan show? Yes, or whatever it was called. Well, while you're looking, oh, let me just... No, here's what I was looking for. All right. So Horizon Air, I haven't seen these ads yet, but they're taking out ads oh, no. because they want people to stop driving from Portland to Seattle and fly instead. It says, avoid the slog. Slog? The molasses pass. The Bridge of Heavy Size, and they're advertising. You can walk right up to the window any day and buy a round-trip ticket for $99 each way from Portland to Seattle. Now, will that be done by anyone? Avoid the giant slur. Uh, no. That, that, that's $200 no, plus tax. Certainly not by me. How much does it cost to take the train from here to Seattle? I think it's, what, 30 bucks each way? See, that, the train is really the... I mean, if you don't want to drive, the train is really the way to go. But they let you off in an area where they'll kill you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Walk outside the Seattle train station. You know, there's a big, there's a, there's a building right across the street, and it says fireproof hotel. <laughs> That's must... exactly what it says when you walk out the door to the train station in Seattle. This old building is a fireproof hotel. <laughs> Run here in case the city is besieged by flame. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose. So uh, who's going to spend $99 no on one. to fly to Portland? It's called the Seattle to Portland shuttle. No one. It's, it's not worth it. There's no point. Oh, and if you buy 14 days in advance, it's only $59 each way. Oh, hurrah. These are those uh, little propeller planes. Well, Horizon. Horizon is one. They have all of those billboards. That uh, That's what they trumpet. Lewis and Clark. They're trying, they're trying to... Um... Hey, let me ask you this. What is Clark's first name? Everybody knows Lewis's first name. Merriweather. Merriweather Lewis. What is Clark's first name? It's one of those things nobody knows. Dick? Dick Dick Clark. No. But that's an idea. But you know what? That's yet another wacky morning show bit we could just hand, hang on somebody. It'd be like, you know, Lewis and Clark, but it'd be like Jerry Lewis and Dick Clark. Yes. Here we are! I don't know where we're going! And then Dick Clark would say something like, I can't do a Dick Clark impersonation, but then Dick Clark would, Dick Clark would do something about, like, Dick Clark would rate some sort of a uh, some sort of a dance that the tribal peoples were doing, and then he would give it like a 94 or something, and then he'd have a stroke, and then that's the end of the bit. There you go. Bam! Comedy right there. Okay. Uh, Ryan Crocker, the U.S. ambassador to Iraq, cites progress, but warns that there will be no single moment when the U.S. forces can declare victory and leave. He that's calls good. Iraq a traumatized society in the midst of a revolution. Imagine that. Our country has given a great deal in blood and treasure to stabilize the situation in Iraq Blood and, and help Iraqis build institutions for a united democratic country governed under the rule of law. They have not yet realized this vision, and to do so will take more time and patience on the part of the United States. We've given a great deal of blood and treasure. Well, like, is he straight from a Warhammer game or yeah. something? All right. Uh, meanwhile, for some reason, the Democrats sent John Kerry out to speak again for the second day in a row. <laughs> I wonder if that's for the same reason that CBS is sending Katie Couric out and about, Tim. As a matter of fact, CBS, their lawyers say upholding a penalty on the network for airing a wardrobe malfunction will amount to a broadcast censorship. So they're in Washington today fighting that. Uh, yeah, they sent uh, John Kerry to be on Larry King Live last night. Well, I think uh, the escalation of troops has not provided what it was supposed to, though it has had some tactical successes here and there. But they're not relevant to the larger question of resolution of reconciliation. I what? swear to God, for a second, I thought that that was uh, Bob Dole. Just for one second there, before I re remember that it was John Kerry. Which, by the way, is, it's indicative of how little we care about John Kerry or anything he says at this point. That you introduced the soundbite by saying, here's John Kerry. Right. You played it, and about three seconds later, I had forgotten who it was. I was like, is this Bob Dole? And then I realized it was John Kerry, which indicated, today he's dull, and B, boy, goddamn, does he sound just old and tired and broken down and beaten like a, some sort of a family mule. Mm -hmm. All right. The mayor of Tonganoxie, Kansas, says he's sorry for sending an email that recipients considered uh, racial and uh, racist. Mike Vestal appeared before the city council last night. I made a mistake. Um, I want to own up that mistake, and it will never happen again. I just hope you all can forgive me. I'd like to just carry on as the mayor of the city of Tonganoxie. And... Uh, I'm very sorry. The Tonganoxie well, mayor sent a photo of a nude woman with these words. It's National Breast Appreciation Day. That beats Martin Luther King's birthday. Well, he sent it to uh, dozens of people, <laughs> including a newspaper reporter. <laughs> Thought you'd appreciate this. That's fantastic. Uh, Jane Wyatt, not Wyman. Well, now I'm confused. So Jane Wyatt was Spock's mother. 
It doesn't help, by the way, that Falcon Crest and Star Trek were like a million years apart, and so the two women looked nothing alike anyway. So Jane Wyman was on the Reagan's right, but Jane Wyatt was Spock's mother. And then Jane Wyatt was also from, was Father Knows Best or something? That's Jane Wyatt. <laughs> this is either the best or the worst show ever. I'm, I'm not entirely Jane sure. Jane Wyman was not on Father Knows Best. It was Jane Wyman. No, Wyatt. Let me see what information I can find about her. It's okay. No, no, no. No, really, I implore no, you. I... It's okay. No, no, really don't. Uh, by the way, I thought you'd appreciate this, too, because squirrels? we had a Dar Darwin watch yesterday. This is from, I shouldn't identify this guy, actually, because he is a TriMet worker. He says, Rick, uh, add this to your Darwin watch lexicon. I thought you might like to know that TriMet maintenance workers like myself refer to max pedestrian crossings as Darwin crossings. I thought you'd appreciate this. Best show ever. Thank you, uh, guy who we will not name. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, what are we? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. How you doing? What's up? Uh, it's William Clark. Is that Clark's first name? So it's Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Yes, I've got him right. Pulled him right up here. I knew that before, but I pulled him up here on Wikipedia. Got a nice picture of him and everything. He was born August first, seventeen seventy. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anytime. All right. There oh. we go. Yeah. I'm what? Okay. Sorry. Right. He had something else to say, but now it's uh, now it's gone. All right. Uh, oh, and apparently Meriwether Lewis committed suicide. Yes, he did. Really? Mm -hmm. Shot himself in the head. You know, and I'm from Washington. I don't know why. Yeah, you don't things. read that in your social studies books. They really don't tell you that. That's like how everybody. That's like the other thing about how everybody you apparently grew up studying died of syphilis. That's one of those. Did you ever go back and like you read sort of modern history books and you realize that every person they told you to look up to and you know everybody everybody that was like a, a founder of American government impregnated a bunch of slaves and then died from a rotted penis. Like that's they all every single every single per, and grew marijuana. Uh, all of them. Uh, the idea uh, that uh, well anyway. Hey, uh, this has been a very strange news hour. Have we gotten to anything? Well, no, because we don't want to talk about what anybody else is talking about. Well, that's the kind of the thing, is we're trying not to just be a relentless funeral dirge about 9-11, which is what everybody else is doing. Who wants to hear about a woman's feet being licked? Oh, I do. Dateline St. Paul. Police said a man who robbed a woman of her keys and cell phone then took off her shoes and slowly licked her toes. Commander Kevin Casper said the attack was, quote, weird sexual behavior. The 24-year-old woman was leaving work around 1 a.m. Saturday when the 27-year-old man approached her and demanded her keys and phone. After that, he said, take off your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so creepy. It is. <laughs> okay. All right, Sarah, let me ask you this. Let's say you're in the parking garage. A guy comes up. He takes oh, your cell God. phone and keys. No, no, no. He takes your cell phone and keys, and then... He can either lick the side of your face once, or he can lick both of your feet for about three minutes. I'll go for feet. Really? Yeah. All right. No, because who knows what's going on in that mouth. I don't want it right on my face. All right. Fair enough. Police say the woman was not hot. I'm sorry, was not hurt. <laughs> um, police, police arrested the... Well, who knows? That is, that is, that is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, police arrested the man a few minutes later, about four blocks away, blah, blah, blah. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about this uh, polygamous trial, shall we? We sure. all enjoy these type of stories. This comes to us uh, from Utah. Trial gets underway this week in Utah in a case involving a self-proclaimed prophet of a polygamous clan. Warren Jeffs is charged with two felony counts oh, of being a accomplice to rape. Well, I'm he, glad they picked the story. Oh, that guy is completely nutty, yeah. He's accused of arranging the marriage of a 14-year-old girl and her cousin. 
Former congregation member Isaac Weiler said he noticed Jeff acting strangely at a community building project. He happened to be there that day. He'd been running. He hadn't been running from the cops yet. I think he knew he had done some things that he probably should be running from, so he was running before he should have. So that day he kicked out 20 of his followers, including the mayor, and told them they had sinned. He says that Jeff was told by God the sins that they committed uh, well, were bad, and he had to, they had to leave their families. Weiler says Jeff wanted them to drop a list of sins, which he would check with God's list, and then would determine if they should repent. Uh, apparently, uh, Weiler says that Jeff surprised workers at that construction project. He kicked out 20 of us that day. Uh, he kicked out all the, the main leaders in town, like the mayor, and he kicked out four of his big brothers. You know, I like to think How that can these things go on in America in the year 2007 without people realizing that something is really you know, wrong here? You know, we ask ourselves that a lot. You and I have a lot of conversations to end with. It is 2007. Yes. Exactly where do these people come from? They keep breathing for some reason. No, well, but that's the thing in Utah. That is idiocracy in action in that state. Well, at least we don't come in contact with all of them. Because the, uh, because the polygamists, man, they just have a thousand kids, too. All of them. I really strongly encourage you to read that book, Under the Banner of Heaven, by John Krakauer, which is about uh, fundamentalist Mormon uh, polygamists, and then it also talks about the whole history of the Mormon Church, which... You know, all religions are nutty, but they're a really special brand of nutty. They're really, they're nothing, honey. They're they're they're, uh, they're so off the charts crazy about certain things. Although I would like to say that having I'm I'm now almost done with season two of Battlestar Galactica, and it is pleasing to see that all the Mormon references in that show remain intact. Yeah, they're all, I was afraid that when they did this new version of Battlestar Galactica, which is in many ways a thinly veiled metaphor uh, from the Mormon faith, um, I thought that they were going to strip a lot of those out, but they're all still there. Um, all right, let's, uh, let us read one more story, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Jim Roop on the other side. Well, uh, John McCain, the uh, Republican uh, presidential really? contender, said the U.S. is finally getting it right in Iraq. Seriously. Getting it right because we finally have in place a strategy that can succeed, a counterinsurgency strategy, which some of us have argued we should have been following from the beginning. Wow, he's really nuts. <laughs> That's why people listen to our news hour, Tim, and not the news hour of other lesser radio stations. Because we cut right through the chaff here. I mean, seriously. Skip to the bottom of the page with our assessments of things. Does he know <laughs> that he has... I mean, he has no chance of being elected president, and everything he says is wrong every time. I'm sorry. Well, here's Osama Obama with his take this on This continues to be a disastrous foreign policy mistake. And we are now confronted with the question, how do we clean up the mess and make the best out of a situation in which there are no good options? Do you get the feeling we all just decided to quit paying attention to Barack Obama? He was really interesting for a while, and yeah. like, a, like a piece of chewing gum in which the flavor is chewed out within about two minutes, mm -hmm. he just now seems monumentally boring to me. I don't know why that is. I mean, I am a shallow, superficial American, so maybe he needs to, I don't know, do something exciting or... Uh... I don't know, release some sort of album of patriotic hymns, John Ashcroft style or something. The uh, Chris Neven, who we will talk to in about an hour, went to that because uh, no, we didn't know we don't know anybody that went to the uh, the Obama um, the, the Obama th thing on Saturday, do we? No the fundraiser no. or whatever the hell that was. Do not. Uh, Sneathan, God bless him, who knows a lot more about current events than I do, and who's a very politically savvy person, much more so than myself. He sent me a little. Um, uh, you know, like a, a, a cell phone picture. He sent me a picture message, and it was of Obama speaking. And the caption was, "Say hello to your new president." So he was—he firmly believes it's going to be Obama. Um, th that's wrong, though. 
That's not going to. And you can tell that even the Democrats don't think it's going to be Obama. Yeah. Everybody just here's the reason. Here's the reason that Hillary Clinton is going to win, or at least going to get the nomination, because you can't picture her not winning. That's the thing. You know what I mean? I mean, you just, like some sort of weird uh, T-1000 in the political arena, you just, she just won't stop. You can't picture her not winning. Be, my brain won't even conjure that image up, because if Hillary were to not get the nomination somehow, I think she might just kill everyone. I mean, yeah. I really honestly... I she she knows people she knows people and she has she has people and there will be, there will be a terrible vengeance extracted upon all of us justice will be swift and next will crack if she does not get the nomination so I think that we're all just operating under the assumption that unless something goes terribly terribly awry somehow it's going to be Hillary because otherwise uh, the price of her vendetta will be too heavy for us to bear as a society and she'll kill us all like mom's friendly robot style so. Just so you know. Well, let's take a break, shall we? Why not? Shall we? Uh, all right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Around the corner, Jim Roop. Later on, top five music comebacks of all time. Our good friend Chris Sneathan joining us. Uh, more from Tim Riley, etc. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Solid State Radio. Don't go anywhere. Hi, hello there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This email says, Rick, you're a little late with this for the lunch hour, but you're spot on about the horror of the Gravitron. It's an evil machine, most likely under the control of a madman or worse. The first and last time I ever rode the Gravitron, two things happened. A, my Marvin the Martian baseball cap was sucked out of a small hole at the top edge of the diamond shape of the ride, and a fat kid threw up. The vomit came straight out, and due to the spinning nature of the ride, made a crescent swath that flew back and hit about six people on the left. Missing this awesome display of physics, the airplane glue addled brain of the carney operating the center of the ride didn't compute the changes in the timber of our screams. He continued looking down, silently rocking out to whatever was playing in his head. Probably the devil went down to Georgia or something by Ugly Kid Joe until the timer went off several minutes later. The only thing that could have made the ride worse was a stand-by-me-esque group vomit. Excellent. Well, there's always next time on the ride, sir. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, Rick, about the, uh, let's see, uh, this is uh, the burden of the activist husband. I'm sure your wife is a lovely person, but it must be hard having an activist for a wife. I imagine you have your own protest by chaining yourself to the couch holding a sign that says, Save Rick's Halo Time. Yes, but that time is not this week, sir, because she's out of the, she's in Europe. So there's, you know, but the, the, the only unfortunate thing, and we'll talk to Jim Rupert, the only unfortunate thing is that my wife's time in Europe does not coincide with the release of Halo 3. That's the only, uh, that actually is like two days after I get back. So that's unpleasant. But what are you going to do? You, you take what you can get. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy, sir. What's up with you? Not much. Just waiting on the verdict. Hey, did you uh, did you know that squirrels can be trained to fetch cigarettes? <laughs> Have you ever heard that? I'm thinking any animal can be trained to do anything. I suppose we. Uh, let me just say this. Okay, so there are, there is a squirrel loose in the um, the ventilation system here at CBS Radio Portland. Mm -hmm. I think I've got the sounder. I don't know if we're playing. Are we playing this down the phone, sir? Okay, I don't know if you can hear this, Jim. Let's see. 
Are you able to hear that? I hear a little something. I yeah, can't it's, tell where it is. a little squeaking there. So that is the sound of the squirrel. The squirrel was already caught once and released into the parking lot. It immediately somehow got back into the ventilation system and is now walking around the upstairs again. Um, and so we've had several listeners call up. One of the first suggestions was that we capture the squirrel and somehow train it to go inside the company vending machine and to fetch snack crackers for us. Uh, the other was that we train it to fetch cigarettes because apparently squirrels uh, are able to fetch cigarettes like nobody's business. I'm unable. Really, to... they're, not, they're, not even, they're not even shaped like nuts. You would think it'd be snack crackers would be easier for them to get. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it's just it, I haven't been able to confirm either of these things. All I've got is anecdotal evidence uh, so far. I haven't, I haven't been able to. Uh, although circumstantial. Somebody, somebody has noted, by the way, that squirrels are the single largest carrier of the black plague. In oh, the, absolutely. Uh, in, we all know that in North America and that New York is full of them, Sarah. And apparently they in New York, they've developed, a t they've, uh, developed a taste for cigarettes. They're rats with fuzzy tails. Yeah. They so, are. So just think about that, you know, when you're in Manhattan, Sarah. Okay, okay. All right. So you're just sitting around, I mean, just waiting day in and no, day no, out. No, no, I'm the... at JPL now. Uh, I was at uh, the Mars rover opportunity is, is heading down into a giant crater. Another opportunity for uh, for something to break uh, yeah. on Mars. But these, they... these little buggers, man, they, they've been up there three and a half years. They weren't supposed to last anywhere near this long. Well, then, they... then what am I thinking? What am I thinking of the one that, that, that didn't we send something up just recently and like I don't know, like it just crashed into the planet and didn't work again? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then there was the Sojourner, which was another, which was another thing that got like yeah, stuck on these, a rock. Yeah, these are something. the things that are actually on the surface. And so these are these are rolling around Mars doing what exactly? Well, right now, well, Spirit's on one side of the planet, Opportunity is on the other, and Opportunity is going into what they uh, have dubbed Victoria Crater. It's a giant crater that was opened by a meteor blast eons ago. And what they like about this is, is that is, as it descends 200 feet, it's able. It's like going back in time in Mars and able to study geology, like going into a history book and seeing what's been going on with that planet for several thousand years. Now, JPL, which is the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, is that suffering the same? Because we've we talked to Dick Uliano about this occasionally, about NASA, every time that the shuttle lifts off, because they're getting ready to close that, like, the shuttle thing down. I think it's like, what, another four or five years, something like that, and they're just going to pull the plug on it. Um, is that happening? I mean, is, is... Uh, JPL, they... You know, they have all these the Mars rovers and all the other space exploration stuff. It's not just the shuttle missions, I think, that, that they deal with at JPL. There's a whole lot of top-secret stuff, rooms I'm not allowed into, that uh, that tell me JPL is going to be around for a while. Is that true? Are there, are there actual rooms there? Oh, that, yeah, there's off-limit stuff, yeah. Some guy with a machine gun that will ventilate you if you try to get inside? Yeah, it's like Mr. Rosenberg putting that rope around his yard so he don't trample his grass. Oh, totally. Yeah. Or just or that thing that they used to do in Kenway. Let me ask you this. Have you seen this thing? And remember they do it in California. Uh, this thing where people trying to keep dogs out their lawn will just put bottles of water on the front lawn. You know what I'm talking about? Is that a Washington? Is that a Northwest thing? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? That must be Northwest thing. There's, what is it? Tell me again. There's this thing that people in the Northwest, or at least in Washington State where I grew up, this thing they would do to try to keep dogs off their lawn, they would just take what appeared to be like mason jars or bell jars full of water, and they would put like one in each corner of the lawn, for no, and then they would just leave them there. And apparently it was supposed to do some thing with the air or the whatever, and it was supposed to keep dogs off your lawn. It's like some weird rube thing that they, they when that. I was growing up. I think up. the dogs would drink the water, then pee on your tree. That's what I'm saying. It's just one of those things. I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> I would love to see that. I'd love to witness that. Put the jars. Uh, it repels dogs from your yard. <laughs> I like this. I think the, the sort of malicious glee with which you said. I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> I'd like to check that out. Hey, on this uh, on this Spectre thing, here's a dumb question: Is he like? Is this like an OJ thing where he's uh, where he's in jail? And no, something? he's at home. 
He's well. How does that work? Why was O.J. in jail during the trial and Specter's free? Because O.J. Oh, he's a flight risk. That's why. Yeah, O.J. There's no bail. All right, because he with uh, he's on a Specter's on a million dollars bail. All right, but O.J. was doing that business with the false mustache and the Al <laughs> and so forth. <laughs> he's doing all kinds of business. And so this is and so the jury just they didn't they didn't say anything. They haven't talked to the judge. They haven't. Well, uh, th- from what we understand, there. they asked to see the gun yesterday for about five minutes. I'd like to see that jacket. If I'm a juror, I say, I want to see that jacket. Right. You know, because the prosecution saying this big explosion happened in, uh, in uh, Lana Clarkson's mouth. Well, I want to see, you know, why there's not brain tissue or, or any kind of other tissue or blood spatter all over this white jacket Spectre was supposedly wearing. I want to take a look at that thing. That's the only thing I think that would give me any pause if I was a member of the jury. Do you suppose when they, when they do something like asking to see the gun, it's just sort of to look busy? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of. Well, we I think they wanted to hold it because I know what I'm saying. I would like to hold that thing. So what it feels like. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, that's what because when I was sitting in the in the courtroom, I, I said, "Man, I wish they would pass that thing around." It's one of those things where like your teacher insists on seeing the math. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, no, yeah. I, you have to show me the math. I just want to see the end result. Or, or you know, somebody caught Barry Bonds' ball. You just want to hold it for a second. Totally. Just yeah. let me just let me hold it. You can have it back, but let me hold it. It's also they can tell their grandchildren. You know, I I held, held that I, gun. I held the murder weapon in my hands. I put it at the foreman, but it wasn't loaded. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess there's a whole lot of nothing going on there. All right. Yeah. All right. And we're But done. it's a beautiful day. That's yeah. all I care about. Now, it's not 116. That's all that matters, my That's friend. right. All right, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will have speaks with you soon. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. Fantastic. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Let me get to a couple of these emails. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, top five, Chris Neven, et cetera. Uh, Rick. Let's see. This is. Uh, have you ever looked at real estate sites for properties in Utah? Everything is a ten-bedroom house with a school-sized cafeteria for a dining room. They all look like Rajneesh compounds. It's true, and that's not a polygamous thing. It's just, I mean, as such, because they're all in the outlying areas. Uh, it, it's just that everybody in Utah has like a hundred kids, because you know, blah 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 blah, reproduce, blah blah blah. Okay. All right. Now I have to figure out. Are what's we gonna going to ask him the here. question? Hold on a second. Let me just. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, Do I ever. On the mouth. Please let Can me. I? Come on. Good morning, Matoli. Just a little peck. Hello, Scotty J. How's it going, Rick? Hey. Hi, Scotty. It says here on the screen. Hi, Sarah. It says here on the screen, again, we have Mr. Skin today. That's right. See, oh, uh, okay, I'm, I'm having today a bad day. Is This is the second time you've told me about this. Do you remember what I... I'm really uh, a little frazzled. Hold, hold, hold that thought. Oh, yes. Do you remember me telling you the story just like on the air about 20 minutes ago that this morning I had this whole conversation with he Scotty did, about... He's had a baby. Yeah, I know. But yeah. how I caught Scotty typing the email of Mr. Skin today, and I said, no, 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 it's Tuesday. Mr. Skin is on Wednesday. This is Tuesday. And Scotty said, no, it's Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And I said, no, it's Tuesday. And Scotty said, I wish it was Wednesday because that's the day I'm getting a vacuum. Literally, so, I woke up today thinking it was Wednesday. We, and okay. It does actually, to be honest, it does on. feel later in the week. It feels like a Thursday or I'm Friday. I'm just saying we have this whole conversation, and then I'm looking at the screen, and it says Mr. Skin. But that's <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to get... So the, is he scheduled? Not for today, for tomorrow, yes. Okay, so you haven't, like, but we don't have to break the appointment with you. No. Okay, so I'm just going to take this off the screen where it says Mr. Skin. You're having a bit of a All day, right. aren't you, Scotty? Yes, I am. All right. I can't get the podcast to go on. What do you mean? It just will not load. Have you talked to uh, Bridget about Yeah, that? I'm working on it. All right. You're working on talking to Bridget? Yes. Have uh, you told Bridget? I have told her via email. 
and I'm still working on trying to fix it myself, but that's not working. What does what fixing good. it yourself entail? Since essentially just keep it's like trying pointing and trying and, and trying and trying. And so you're not really fixing upload. anything. You're just engaging. You're pushing the cocaine button over and over again in the cage, basically. <laughs> like a little rat. Kind yeah. of, yes, yeah. exactly. Like a little rat. All right. Like well, a squirrel uh-huh. in, a, in, a, in a vent. Good call. Squirrel covered in... Yeah. All right, Scotty. This is at the behest of, uh, of Sarah, who wanted to know your thoughts on Hillary Clinton v. Barack Obama. As a presidential, uh, fall off his chair? Yeah, you can't sit on that chair. It goes all the way down to the floor. Scotty just sat on the chair and then sank all the way down to the floor like a toadstool. Not exactly sure why it's even in here. Uh, my thoughts? I have no thoughts. You see? <laughs> thoughts? I have no thoughts. The thing is, uh, neither if one of them. If you had to pick one of the other I would, no, I would never pick either one of if them. If you had to, if you I had never to have vote, to. I'm just saying, if you did, it's a theoretical question. I would pick Fred Thompson because I, okay. you can only have one Democratic Party. Right? Don't be uncooperative. I'm, I'm asking you. If, it's a it's a hypothetical question. Hypothetically speaking. What does speaking, that mean, Rick? Are you being are, are you being difficult? Yeah. Are you trying to be funny? Sort of. Don't try to be funny. It's a hypothetical question. Hypothetically speaking, if you had to choose between Hillary and Barack Obama. Okay, you're saying now that I'm on kind of their side and I have to pick one it's leader. It's a hypothetical question. <laughs> if you had to choose between Barack or Hillary, which means you are not allowed to say, I would choose neither. That's like when the, when the, when the genie gives you wishes, you can't go, I want more wishes. Uh-huh. I want a million wishes. Yeah, seriously. So, hey, that, so hypothetically, that one of the wishes? So hypothetically speaking... Who would you choose? Uh, who would you choose between Barack and Hillary? Obama, because we have already had the Clintons in office for uh, eight years out of our life, and uh, that's what a enough. terrible eight years they were! That was an eight-year nightmare oh, of peace no. and prosperity. No, let's not even get into that. <laughs> an eight-year, an eight-year stretch of balance. You don't want to do this battle with me, no. no. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want your guns. <laughs> All right, so please, you don't want please me to be comparing the, guns. the past eight years of George W. Bush to the eight years with the Clintons. Sarah is curious well, about the past your, uh, years. I am, and I'm not. W. I'm... Bush, uh, uh, the Clintons left, and then not long after that, we were, uh, were attacked because he didn't do what he needed to do to keep us safe before he left office because he was too busy uh, with things going on under his desk, apparently. And so as soon as Bush comes into office, we're attacked. Well, we haven't been attacked since that attack on this day. What is it, six years now? That we're looking at today, September 11th. I don't know. Is it six years? Scott? I don't know because I thought it was Wednesday. You see, I'm a little messed up. It would still be six years even if it's Wednesday. Okay. Okay. What is it you like about that? Your man is who? Uh, Fred Thompson. And he is what? He's really powerful on TV and what, Law and uh, Order. And what uh, governmental position does Fred Thompson hold? I don't think he does anything right now. Well, that's not really true. Is he? A, he's not a senator. He's not. Uh, he is actually. He's on the Council of Foreign Relations. He was a senator. Okay. Right. I knew. From which state was Fred Thompson a senator? Ah, uh, way back. I'm going to say Mid East. Okay, am I close? The Mid East. <laughs> yes, he was from Syria. Midwest. Sorry. He was in the. He was in the Midwest, like Nebraska. I'm taking a guess. So Fred Thompson, your man, was Omaha, you think Nebraska, a senator somewhere from there? From somewhere. Well, of course. Yeah, I don't know enough about him uh, other than I'm voting for him. <laughs> really? I think that sums it all up. I don't really even know that there's anywhere else to go with this. I'm not really sure who he is no, or what I, he represents. It, it was, all I, I know is that he's got my vote. I made a bet with a buddy of mine. I thought Giuliani was your guy like a week ago. Oh, he was. He's out. Why? 
Because Fred Thompson stepped in. I understand, but what is the difference between Giuliani and Fred Thompson? Understand, I don't really care. I still kind of like Giuliani a little bit. What is the the difference between the the two politically? Just like this bet I made with a buddy of mine when Kerry and uh, Bush were running for Uh office that uh, Bush would win. Yeah. Because I thought when I made this bet, I would never mess with Bush if I was a, a foreign leader. This guy just, you know, I'd be scared to death of him. Who? Whereas... Bush okay, versus Kerry, right? And I say the same thing about Fred Thompson versus Obama versus uh, a couple of these other people that are running, you, like Hillary. So you think Hillary's a, a will? She's a shrinking violent. I don't think. You, you think, know what? You think I Hillary's spineless. Absolutely don't hate the Clintons. You know, I don't hate him. Some things well, happen in this, their just, favor. I'm just asking it's just a clarifying question. So you believe Hillary is a, she's soft? No, I just believe that, number one, are you, well, Americans I mean, are tired of the Clintons. Do you believe she would keep us safe? Well, you know what, Rick? It's just a figurehead, sort of. I'm yeah, they have, they have the last vote or whatever. Just to be defensive. I'm, I'm simply asking. Do, do I think Do you believe she'd be firm? Well, she's comes across as just the... Say the, it. The wicked uh, relative. Say she's a ball breaker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She is. Don't you think... I mean... That's not what I'm talking about, though. Talking don't you about, believe that she's had, like, 50 people killed? There's still enough baby boomers out there that they're not going to allow a woman into office. That's the problem. <laughs> yes, okay. Us Gen Xers, hey, you know, we're open to that. Here's Margaret Thatcher. I right don't know that there. you're a Gen Xer, Scotty. I don't know what I, I am. I'm, you may I'm be on a, the cusp. You may be a tweener. I believe <laughs> that is tweener, what you what, are, Scotty. Now, what is that? That you are between Gen X and the baby boomers. I don't know, late 60s? All right. So let me ask you this. So, and again, realize this is not a partisan uh, issue to me. I don't really care. Not a partisan issue. I'm just curious. So Giuliani was your guy. Now it's Fred Thompson. The difference between the two to you is what? I, I think uh, Fred Thompson's a little bit more. Uh, I don't know when he talks. It just he just sounds more knowledgeable. Number one. Number two. I feel safer with him. It I feel okay with Giuliani, and he'd probably do a pretty good job. I want you to admit now this is based do. solely on Fred Thompson's role at Hunt for Red October. Admit well, it. it's not only that, but <laughs> it's even that on Law and Order and everything I'm else. Like, and, he was in, and also because he was on Law and Order. Seriously, he must be tough. I saw him put that guy away with uh, Fred Water or with uh, Sam Waterston. So, <laughs> well, that's the thing is a lot of these actors, you know, when they're in these years and years of roles. So let me understand this. Be kind of you, you are basing you are basing your vote on the way that an actor has presented himself on television Well, to it's you. not only that. Uh, when they do these roles for years on end, they use a little bit of themselves in there. So you know that he's going to be a little bit <laughs> Yeah, because he's a method he actor. He can talk to people. Hey, Reagan was one of the greatest presidents we ever had. He was an actor. So maybe, uh, you know, acting is the route to go. I'm going to be an actor and be the president someday. Okay. Uh, let's just get a couple of these and we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi. I always say I'm never going to call again when Scotty pisses me off. And yet, here you are. Yeah, here I am. Uh, I think he summed it up when he, you know, when he knew even less about the person he's going to vote for than the person who he says he knows so much about that he would never vote for another Clinton. Okay, why is it that you would vote for Hillary Clinton? Why are you so uh, in awe of her? I'm not in awe of her, but she certainly represents my values, and that's how which, I Which vote. are? What are your values? Sodomy. Well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm for democracy first. Okay. Democracy uh, here and not shoving so democracy down the throats so of Arabs. Okay, so second, Republicans. Second off, second off this is great. You know, I'm for an honest government. 
Uh, and that that so, so I went, rest my case, Scotty. All right. Well, thank you for calling. Anyways, when Clinton is doing things under the desk and saying I did not have relations, that's that's honesty. In so my really, opinion. what is what is him doing things under the desk have to do with having a war that's spanning for five years? Or, what, is, what does that have to cares? do with democracy? He, got, he, he was getting he, he had some fun with an intern. Who really cares? Really, how does who that affect you? Who hasn't? He's a liar. That. How does I that care. affect you? How is how everyone lies? Oh, Bush hasn't lied. How? How has he lied? Rick, please help me with this. I'm going to go to the I can't calls. even debate this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Why? Hey, Hello. Hi. I just can't believe this guy. <laughs> I just can't believe all By the these way, if you, different views. If you, if you, if, incidentally, I mean, and again, it realize that right. this is not a, not a partisan show, but I will right. say if you're asking for an example of how Bush lied, um, it, it is 9-11. We should note that Bush claims to have seen the attacks happen in the World Trade Center, which we know is impossible because it was not broadcast. Yeah. He claimed to have seen the first plane hit the building, which was not televised. We all saw the first plane no, hit the building. No, we did not. No, the second, the second plane. The first plane. Wait, the we... first plane was filmed by a uh, tourist, right. but it was not on television. So that must be what not... he meant. Mm-mm. No, that day he said, "Well, when I saw that plane hit, I said to myself, that must be one heck of a bad pilot.' That's what he said. It was not on television. Exactly. It was yeah, not yeah, broadcast. Well, that's not a lie. I, he, he said he saw right. it happen. But I saw the same news footage, so he's probably um, referring Scotty, to how that. could he see it when We're he's not, sitting in an elementary school reading a book in to an children. elementary school? Just like I saw it later. I didn't see no, no, it happen no. he live. Said he, he, saw saw it live. he said he saw it live. Okay. He right. said he saw it live, and which is a flat-out misstatement. Flat-out lie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Well, Scotty, you have children. How can you not want to be informed about who you're voting for? Okay, wait a minute. I am informed about who I'm voting for. I don't know. You don't even know what state Fred Thompson is from. You have no idea who he is. You have no idea what he stands for. And you talk about lying and and all this stuff. Have you looked into the background of Fred Thompson? How many times he's been married? How many how many wives that he cheated on? I mean, you know nothing about this guy. I'm I not can't... the guy talking about. I'm not the guy talking about this stuff here. All I mentioned was all I mentioned was you know that that Clinton lied, right? But what about Giuliani? You know, you, you know, did you know that he had an affair? Why he was, why he was the, the mayor of New York? Yes, I did. did you know that? He, did, I mean, isn't that a lie? I mean, just just recently, you were for him. Yeah. Well, okay. Who can argue yeah. with that? All right, thank you, sir. Uh, we'll do like two more here, and then we got to take a break. Come back with Tim in the top five. Hi, yeah, we'll do two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. This is the Suburban Perspective. Hi. We got nothing. Nothing. Sorry, I can't hear you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? It, it really doesn't matter who we vote for because it doesn't matter if the Democrats win or the Republicans win. Nobody's going to just immediately pull the troops out of Iraq anyway. Yes, but, well, I... And you know what? He has a good point. They are, <laughs> like I, I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a figurehead, Rick. They've got to go through all these channels of the House of Representatives, the Senate, all this stuff to be passed. You really would make a great politician because no matter what anybody says, Scott is like, the caller makes an interesting point, Rick. However. All right. And what, one other point, too, is that after everybody realizes universal health care is kind of a, a lofty, lofty idea to, to go to, but once people figure out exactly how much it's going to cost, you know, if you don't have health insurance like me, get a better job. That's what I did. Yeah, well, all right. Hi, you're on the... We'll do one final call. I promised I would stay out of this and just let the callers do it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I just wanted to point out to everybody that little comment you made uh, when uh, you were talking about interns and how uh, who hasn't uh, had somebody under the desk. Yes, sir. 
I just wanted to point out that you said that. Yeah, Scotty and I have been gay lovers now for about a year and a half. Oh, oh okay. That's Scotty and I are holding, not... we're holding hands right now. That, that's a secret. <laughs> Scotty and I, <laughs> Scotty and I have been having male You're on male. To talk about I mean, holding hands. No, I mean hot male on male relations, sir. I mean, really, it full on screaming like you know. I it's, think, it's it is it is sexy. I think you pissed Rick off with that comment. It is sexy, well, Scotty. Look, I'm not ashamed of our love, Scotty. I don't know why you need to be. I would like you to know that Scotty and I are going to be going down and becoming... Certain things are supposed to be behind the curtain. Don't, domestic partners this afternoon. <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye now. All right. Is one of our former interns pregnant, though, Sarah? Not me. No, not the intern. Your former producer. That's true. All right. More on that when we come back. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley, next top five. Chris Neven, stay there. You know, the funny part is... AM 970 here... Reminding you that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This is AM 970, Solid State Radio. All right, it's the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Tim just came in. And that was an interesting segment. Well, it's, it's good to clear out the pipes occasionally. It's been a while since we've done one of those. And I always, and I have to, uh, you know, I make a note to sort of remove myself from the conversation. Sometimes the listeners just wish, wish to talk directly to Scotty about these things. To pick the brain of Scotty J. It's like a squirrel getting caught in the ventilation system. <laughs> just little thoughts scrabbling around up inside his head. Uh, let's see, before we do this, this email says, Hey man, Rick, just wanted to say thanks for recommending Youth and Revolt. I just finished it and I'm now forcing co-workers to read it. Well done. Makes me think about my own misspent youth in Eugene, only without the felonies and date rape at the hands of a corpulent roommate. I was crushed to hear you say that the sequels are terrible. They really are. Don't read the sequels. Um, I am needing another smart, funny book to round out my summer reading. Have you any suggestions? Uh, you know, I am really reluctant to try to recommend anything as a follow-up to Youth and Revolt. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know what to say uh, as a follow-up to Youth and Revolt. I would have I, I, that book is so on another level. I wouldn't even know what to what to recommend that could possibly compare. Because any other book, if I said, well, if you love Youth and Revolt, you'll read. You know, I couldn't. Even, I wouldn't even know what to say. Um, I mean, I think speaking for both myself and Sarah, I would recommend. Uh, almost anything by Douglas Copeland. Uh, my personal recommendation would be Micro Surfs. Uh, yours would be Girlfriend in a Coma, probably. Although yeah. it's less of a comedy. I really, really like Shampoo Planet. Shampoo well, Planet is sort of funny, too. Uh, Girlfriend in a Coma is less funny. Yeah, it's not funny so much as it is kind very dr- interesting. Dramatic. It is dramatic. Uh, yeah, Shampoo Planet by Douglas Copeland or perhaps Micro Surfs. Uh, if you're a Gen Xer or maybe a nerd. Or Miss Wyoming. Or Miss Wyoming is kind of good, too. Miss Wyoming's kind of funny. Sections of it take place in Clackamas. Uh, if you uh, if you're a geek, you might want to read Microsurfs. Anyway, he says now I understand your excitement over Youth and Revolt being made into a film. Michael Sarah is a great bit of casting for Nick, uh, but who would play the other characters? The mind races. Uh, they better not screw it up. By the way, what do you have if we all purchase used copies of Youth and Revolt? A CD pain exchange. Signed, Bam. We're done. 
Yes, we are, sir. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And speak of Eugene as we just were. What? Eugene. Okay. Place there, say a man running from an attempted car theft was impaled uh, with an eight-inch rod. Yeah. While scaling a wrought iron fence. In your face or stomach? Uh, neighbor said they heard someone screaming, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. <laughs> Call 911. <laughs> oh, that is instant. So he stole a car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he then tried he to steal a car. And then he was impaled? Uh, the incident, yeah. apparently he was startled when a woman encountered uh, him and two other guys trying to steal a car on East 17th oh, Avenue. Then two men chased the would-be thieves, which took off running. Then a 19-year-old Benjamin Bryant tried to scale a fence and slam. About eight inches of metal fence rod entered the top of his inner thigh and punctured his abdomen. That's oh, so great. I'm bleeding. Please call 911, he bellowed. Instant karma. Mm-hmm. Did they call 911? They did, yes. That's too bad. And they sent someone over to, to uh, get him off the fence. Oh, so he was. Oh, so he was still stuck on the fence. Yes. I thought that maybe like he was impaled on the thing and then pulled himself off of it and no. kept running. No, he needed help. Oh, that is he so great. Bleeding, bleeding. That's good. That you know what? Sometimes, uh, sometimes there is you know injustice in this world. Fantastic. And President Bush will announce this week plans to cut U.S. troops in Iraq by about thirty thousand, which means because of thirty thousand, our home it leaves us more vulnerable there because. All the bad guys start there, and they come over here. Well, and you know, and here's the thing. This is, I don't mean to sound cynical about this. Well, it's exactly a bait and switch. Because they just had the surge from which they're going to draw down. So you know what this is? This is like at the supermarket when they raise prices 30% so that the next week they can claim there's a big sale. Um, you know, that's exactly what this is. They jacked up the number of troops. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Sarah really summed this up during the break. I mean, I'm glad that people are coming home, period. I mean, I'll, you know, take whatever I can get right. uh, in terms of people no longer having to be shot at. But it is a little misleading and disingenuous that they jack up the troops effectively just so they can say, but look, we're bringing people home. When the, they're bringing people home who, you know, who wouldn't need to be brought home had we not just ratcheted up the number of troops a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so there you go. There's that. It makes us more vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, the public sees the Iraq war as a failure and thinks the U.S. troop build up there it was not working. This according to the latest poll. The pessimism is, uh, expressed by most people includes significant minorities of Republicans. They uh, contrast the uh, brighter picture after about the general over there. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for uh, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen's Dilemma, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And I just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. This is in two parts because it's Super Tuesday. Uh, coming soon to a galaxy far, far away. The original... Did we already do this story? The original lightsaber swung around by Luke Skywalker. It'll be delivered to NASA for launch in late October aboard the Discovery shuttle. I don't think we did this story. I think we did I a few months ago. This. Yeah, this is old. Well, never mind. <laughs> Way to go, Rick. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. What did I do? I grabbed no, we've got a double. We've the sons of war. No, I shall avenge What a saving. We're doing another one. We're do- we want to keep the customer satisfied. Now look, you sons of bitches. I didn't hand him the story. Um, yeah, it was in the. <laughs> it was in the pile. Well, it's still your fault for letting fault for letting him Sorry. read it. <laughs> um, the uh, don't do that. I'm saying I didn't freshly pull that story today and like pull it from the news the printer today and highlight it and hand it to him. 
was in the pile. Then you did it again because he already read it before. I remember it. I don't remember ever reading that story. Are you sure? Absolutely. I remember too. Are you lying? Do I lie? You know what it is? (laughs) Yes, routinely, (laughs) constantly. I do it for better ratings. Um, well, that's that's okay then. Um, you know, we're just sort of preparing people for the best of that are going to be starting Friday. That's what this is. Oh. We're helping. This is a this is a sort of figurative toe in the water to get people used to the uh, reruns that'll be starting uh, this Friday and going through next week. Uh, commercial director Joseph Kaczynski is in the final negotiation to develop and direct Tron. Described as the next chapter of Disney's 1982 cult classic. Are they not even getting in a new name? I guess not. Call it Tron. Sean Bailey is producing via the live Planet Banner, as is Steven Lisberger, who co-wrote and directed the original film. Kosinski, who last month signed on to helm the remake of Logan's Run for Warner Brothers, will oversee the visual development of the project and will have input in the script. It's being uh, written by the people who wrote Lost, Eddie Katsis and Adam Horowitz. Uh, the original about a computer program thrust into a computer and was forced to fight in games the correct is remembered. <laughs> for... You don't have any idea what you're reading. I don't remember this game at all. Is remembered for its sci-fi gladiator. Do you not battle. remember the movie Tron? I do, but I think it was a bomb at the box office. It was. It was a terrible bomb. It, it, it was like uh, Roger Rabbit. It became a... No, Roger no, Rabbit didn't bomb. I think, uh, you're I think thinking of like... Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Uh, how sad that I immediately knew what you were talking about. Not Roger Rabbit, Howard the Duck. Yeah. Have you ever read the um, uh, the the book that Roger that the Who Framed Roger Rabbit was based on? No. It's a great book, actually. It's messed up. Are we all Roger Rabbit fans in the house? Mm-hmm. Yes. There is a book. It's based on a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit, which is a... It's a great idea for a book. It is a noir detective novel, very much like a like an old noir detective novel, like one of the Dashiell Hammett books or Philip Marlowe, but it's much darker than the movie. It just sort of assumes, like the movie does, that there are humans and there are tunes, um, but uh, it, and that there is a murder that is committed. Uh, and it's all dealt very pitch black, as the, again, as though it were like a 40s Humphrey Bogart film. And I think that Jessica Rabbit is actually a porn star in the book, which they then adapted to make a new movie. Uh, no, Tron was a terrible disaster at the box office. And look, here's the thing, and I know I will hear the sound of a million souls crying out and then suddenly silenced or something. Um, Tron's not very good. I know that everybody will scream at me about that, but I urge you, I beseech you, go back and watch it. And I think Aaron will. I think Aaron actually had the the experience of telling his lovely wife Jen, "You gotta watch Tron," and they put it in, and they got about. And he was watching like the new like 25th anniversary edition or whatever. They got about 20 minutes in, and I think he kind of went, "Well, never mind," and he just sort of turned it off because he realized it was something else. Realized it was ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, that, it's like if you go back and watch, apparently, which I have not, if you go back and watch the old Battlestar Galactica. Because I'm such a big fan of the new one. If you watch the old Battlestar Galactica, apparently that holds up just so badly. Apparently it's just the worst show. But Tron was a failure at the box office. The video game Tron, the arcade game Tron, was a much, much bigger success uh, than, than the movie. Mm-hmm. I can make uh, with my mouth many sound effects from the video game Tron. Who oh, wants please, to hear me? I do, I do. Okay. Do it. All right. Uh, this is the... Um, Let's see. I will now, uh, because Tron, of course, is the opening screen where you get to choose between four different styles of battle. Uh, I will now simulate badly the sound of the uh, light cycle segment of the Tron video game. Um, I believe it goes something like... I've heard that sound light cycle. You've heard it from the light cycle section of the Tron game. I must have. Um, there's also the uh, the tank version, which is a low drum, like a... 
There's that. I like that. Then there's the one where you're shooting the spiders. And then there's the, what the hell is the fourth one? All the more you're attacking the, uh, the cone. And that's sort of a, you know, but it's a, the, the cone is turning. and This is a really dumb thing I'm doing. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Tron, 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 Tron. I grab Thor's hammer by the sons of Warvan. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Boy, Tron is just the best game, though, because it has this, um, what seemed re- re- really, like, interesting at the time. It had a, a, a clear see-through joystick. It was made of, like, like see-through blue plastic, which lit up from the inside, and we all found that terribly interesting for some reason. Okay. You would not believe the number of emails I've gotten in the last 15 minutes that all say, Matt Peterson's pregnant. All, <laughs> I mean, really, all of them. It's funny that everybody's just seized right onto that. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. OMG, your former producer is pregnant. That would explain his craving for three musketeers. Who's the lucky father? Um, well, I guess we should clarify at this point. Uh, we are not talking about Matt Peterson being pregnant. You really feel the need to clarify as that. As far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Christina Carlson. I mean, that should come as a surprise. She's probably got ten kids by now. I mean, she's. Crazy. I know this probably isn't the first. That's what I was thinking. She's uh, she's married to a youth pastor in Bend. What else is there to do? Yeah, my friend does PR for well, that's wine. That's what the Lord, Lord wants. Well, yeah, the Lord the wants. Good Lord wants you to breathe. The Lord wants. Uh, Especially if you're white. <laughs> and I say verily unto thee, we need more white children. Uh, especially in Bend. Uh, and my friend saw her at a, a wine event thing. I don't oh, know if she really. Was... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really? To me. That's fantastic. I'm pregnant. Give me some wine. Um, so I got a text message from her at like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. She's like, oh my God, I just saw Christina Carlson and she's seven months pregnant. Well, of course. So there you so go. So there you go. Well, there's nothing else to do but to crank out virtual copies of yourself for the Lord. Uh, there you go. I, I, I mean, we all kind of knew that was going to be the case, right? We all knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, what can you do? Another one bites the dust. All right. Uh, really. So, Christina Carlson, pregnant. Husband probably still shiftless. All right, here's Tim Riley. Iraq's government is dysfunctional. Those words from the U.S. ambassador to Iraq telling a Senate hearing today. But he said the fact that Iraqi leaders recognize this is a sign of success. I don't have to go on reading a story like this. Is this oh, I thought there was sound. Me too, oh. and I'm like, oh, God, what's wrong with the sound today? Really? No. Oh, that was just your, your sound of agape astonishment. From reading it word for word. Wait, read it again. Iraq's government is dysfunctional. The U.S. ambassador to Iraq told the Senate hearing today, but he said the fact that Iraqi leaders recognize this is a sign of success. How is that possible? I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. Hmm. Who wants to take a call about Fred Thompson? Oh, I do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Well, Rick, as you know, on, uh, on the show, Roseanne, uh, Fred Thompson was a hard-ass uh, that never let any slackers get by, so I think you make a damn good president. Excellent. Well done, sir. You are in Scotty's target demographic. Also, if all the F maths out there, I wasn't surprised that something didn't take. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, insert F Christina joke here. Oh, uh, you can't say that. What? You can't say I didn't. That. I know. Here's Tim Riley. That wouldn't be nice. No, it would be wrong. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati now, where Vicki Hatter is furious and wants only to explain why her son was humiliated last week during a football practice. Let's go to Cincinnati every day. That's where, you know, I have to, that's my layovers in Cincinnati. I'm sure you'll enjoy yourself like, there. It's like, how long is it from here to Cincinnati? Like six hours? Five hours? Whatever state that's in. It's I don't know. Ohio, I think. Yeah. And then however Ohio long it is, oh boy, let me just talk about this for a second. Let me, let me just kvetch about this. You don't know from traveling. 
Because you know what I never got was my Xanax. Uh, I never did get my Xanax. Of course, it's just going to be the most interminable flight. Because, of course, the real reason, look, you get Xanax when you fly, not because you're afraid of flying most of the time, just because you don't want to sit in a chair for 16 hours. I mean, that's the real torture, right? I'm not that afraid of flying. I mean... Open oh, I don't ocean, mind them sitting in a chair. I'm actually die, afraid whatever. of flying. Yeah, Are you I mean, afraid of that? No, I mean, what, what, you know, if I crash, I crash. I mean, I'm not trying to be all like macho about it. I'm just saying there's nothing I can do about it. It's I yes, suppose, you can. You get the seat cushion. It floats. <laughs> climb to safety on the bodies of others. And you hold the wings on by staring at them out the window. For Everybody's the smiling and waving on the brochure. <laughs> as they... Eat the flesh of a succulent child after you land on an island. Um, the, I'm just saying, I guess I get low-level anxiety about flying, but Whatever, we hit a mountain or we don't, it's out of my control. I don't really get nervous about things I can't control. Um, because, I, again, there's another ice, so I'm sort of zen with it. Um, it's just the sitting in a seat for like 15 hours. I just can't hack that. But I got no Xanax, and it's now too late uh, because my incompetent insurance company, who I will not name, but I barely knew her. I called them and I'm like, hey, uh, I need I need some Xanax and because uh, I'm going to be flying and can you hook me up and I'm going to be flying on this Friday and they're like, okay, how will three weeks do? And I'm like, no, you bastards, I need I need my Xanax now. And they're like, well, how do you feel about October fourth? So I got, enterprise I in the healthcare system works very well, and, doesn't it? Seriously, and I'm paying for this. Mm-hmm. When people say we're ringing you, socialized medicine, you find out how much you pay. I'm paying for this now. This is a capitalist healthcare company. I will not name my insurance company. I barely knew her. But I am, it's the free market system. I am paying for this. Are you telling me the free market not... system doesn't work for you? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Tim. I don't mean to offend you and everybody out there clutching their copy of Atlas Shrugged, but sometimes, no. No, it doesn't. And you know what? I will note, by the way, that in Canada, uh, in Canada, 82% of people who call for a doctor's appointment, see their doctor within 48 hours. Yeah. So that's 82% of people in Canada and in France, incidentally. I'm not saying they're perfect countries. They do your laundry, you know, and cook for you yeah. over there. Eight out of ten patients uh, in France and Canada see a doctor that day or by the end of the next day. So, but well, I know, but like we don't want, but we don't want that. If you don't like that insurance company, no. why not try another? <laughs> That's what freedom is all about, isn't it? Of course, it? man, I can be delayed by endless numbers of insurance companies. I barely knew her. I can't believe that you don't. I mean, no. Scotty is saying not a specialist. I don't need a specialist. I need a doctor to give me some Xanax. I need a doctor to go. So you're nervous about something? Yes, I am. All right, here you go. Done. That's what I need. You know what? It is a specialist. You know, no one needs a specialist. The idea. You know who needs a specialist? People with giant tumors in their heads. It, probably 90% of the people who go to doctors don't ever need a specialist. Right? When you break a bone, you need a specialist for that. I mean, people who need. Spe- First of all, if you have some huge, massive tentacle tumor inside your head, they're not going to send you to a podiatrist. The idea that well, you have to have a specialist. You know, if you got cancer, do they send you to the cancer doctor? If you got something wrong with your brain, they send you to the brain doctor. You got something wrong with your bone, they send you to the bone doctor. This idea that somehow you need a specialist every time you go to the hospital is like an absolute fiction. It's an absolute fiction it peddled by the healthcare industry. Well, for Rick, you won't be able to get you won't be able to get a specialist. I don't need a specialist. No one needs a specialist. That's like saying I need a specialist when I go in to get my glasses prescribed. You know what I mean? You know what I need? I need a guy who can put that little faceplate thing on me and go one or two, one or two. Little fuzzy, two. Okay, great. Here you go. Here's your prescription. That's what I need. Jesus. 
stupid goddamn insurance company. I barely knew her. Here's Tim Riley. So getting back to the story in Cincinnati. A Cincinnati mother said her 10-year-old son's coach sent the boy home from practice in his underwear. What? He walks in. He walks in with his T-shirt and underwear and his cleats. And he said, Mom, you'll never believe what the coach made me do. Uh, the youngster, who has some strange name here. What is his name? It's spelled A-U-C-H-E-R-A-E. Ah. A-U-C-H-A-R-E? A-U-C-H-E-R-A-E. Ashery? Well, I don't know. I got nothing. Well, Ushery explained that his coach kicked him off the team after he deviated from team rules during a practice drill in which players run up and down a short hill. I chose to walk down a hill. I ran to the middle, and then I started walking down so I didn't bump into anyone. The uh, boy said the coach berated him in front of the other players. You're too slow for the team. You're no good for the team. He told me to take off my stuff. <laughs> take off your stuff. Take off your pants. He complained with the coach's order in front of his teammates and some parents. Spoken like a true gym coach. Take off your pants. Then he sat in the bleachers wearing only his T-shirt and his boxer shorts. Jesus. He then walked to the neighbor's house because he didn't want to see the girls see him in his underwear. Yeah. I think it reminds me of that, that cop in trading places with uh, Dan Eckert. Take off your clothes. Jesus. Take off your pants. That's a guy you want in gym class with you. I need your pants to be taken off right now. Now walk around for my amusement. Uh, all right. Uh, Rick, Xanax is cheap even without insurance. Well, yeah, but okay, but here's the thing. It's not the Xanax itself. It's the process of procuring it. That's what it is. Because they won't. Just, you can't just go buy it at the store. You've got to get a prescription for it. It's not the Xanax itself. It's the going to get a doctor to see you to write you this script, as they say. Mm -hmm. And if you just go to like a doc in the box, you know, like one of those 24-hour places, I mean, they'll hit you for like 200 bucks for that. No. Oh. I, I think. I mean, if you go to like a 24-hour urgent care or whatever, mm -hmm. and you're like, I need Xanax. I mean, it's, it's, it's what they charge you to see the doctor to write you the prescription. That's the cost. Um, I mean, that's ridiculous. Stupid, useless, goddamn insurance company. This has to be changed. Yes. Revolution now, brothers. Uh, let's see. Rick, just think of the blood clots you could develop on a 16-hour flight if you were relaxed enough on Xanax that you'd sit still for 16 hours. Just something to think about while listening to Blood Rock on your way to the airport. Yes, some people have started requesting that we play, uh, that yeah, we play blood, today. blood Rock every, uh, that we start playing Blood Rock every day. Yeah, let's, let's not play that today. The sheets are red and more. Oh, yeah. Maybe not today. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> he throwing something at me. Well, I was just thinking because I'm going to be flying. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hey, what's up? Hey, I was going to let you know. Just a sec. I was going to let you know that uh, Cincinnati Airport oh. is actually in Kentucky. Why it's would the Cincinnati Airport the be in Kentucky? It's across the river. Is I don't it, understand. Is this, I don't like understand how, it. is this like how Baja California is in Mexico? Yeah, kind of. All I know is that I was there and I was going, I had layover and I was going down the uh, escalator and you look out this one window and you're looking at Ohio across the river. You're actually in Kentucky. Well, that's just, that's just absurd is what that's that is. Isn't it? Absurd. Yes. All right. That's weird. Thank you, sir. All right. Yeah, Cincinnati apparently sucks, by the way. My wife's layover was there on the way to, uh, what's it, Italy. What I... is that noted for? Oh, WKRP. WKRP, that's it. But that was back in the 70s. And wasn't people it? being trampled at concerts. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That was, that was uh, one of the episodes. Yeah. That's, uh, the, I remember there was a very special episode of WKRP uh -huh. where they went to see the Who. Mm -hmm. uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, uh, Rick? Yes. Yeah, I was going to suggest um, Kava Kava. 
I'm sorry. I was going to make a pizza pizza joke there. Um, uh-huh. I used to take kava. The problem with kava is it makes me, um, I guess this is not really a big issue. I'm going to be flying. Um, it, but it really took forever to wear off. Kava is like an herb. Uh, it took forever to wear off, and it made my brain turn to absolute gelatin. And, I mean, Xanax makes you very mellow. But kava actually just, I could not even think when I took that stuff. Um and I think they found out now that it turns your liver into a pile of mush too. So that's no, no that good. that was just that was just a uh, that's propaganda. A, that was just some scare. Yeah. yeah. All right. Because people were mixing with like thirty other different, um, you know, prescription it drugs. It does. Yeah, it probably doesn't help by the way that I was taking about four times the recommended dosage because you know it'll work four times as fast then. Yeah. Well, you're, you're on vacation. You don't have to worry about you know being clever and. Uh, so. I don't even worry about that most of the time when I'm here, sir. Okay. Just right. thought I'd throw that out there. Thank you, my friend. All right, All right do a couple more here. Uh, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Okay, I don't know what it was, but there's something about your particular inflection. Hello. We all instantly found you amusing. I don't know why, sir, but every one of us here in the room, we, we, we love you already. You don't even have to say anything funny. Okay, no, but, say, but, no but I mean, feel free to go ahead. I'm just saying you're already a winner. First off, I'm in Odell, Oregon, okay. and I can hear you. Yes. Yeah. Secondly, um, you know, Tylenol PM, if you can't get your Xanax on. Tylenol PM. Uh, Tylenol PM is, is actually good. I take that to uh, to sleep uh, sometimes because it wears off uh, pretty quickly. Tylenol PM is not bad. And if you've got any heroin, you can mix that and create that cheese that the kids are all about these days. Uh, Tylenol okay. PM is not bad. You're right. Well, I was once uh, coming home from New York. The airport was closed down due to thunder and lightning. We got on the airplane. And the captain said, okay, we're going to be going. Oh, if they close down again, we played this game where you sit on the tarmac for, you know, an hour. And oh, yeah, yeah. And threatening that you have to, we might have to go back and refuel. Oh, time just stops. For five minutes yeah. and get back in line. Yeah. So he says, okay, we're going to go. So I went ahead and took my uh, two Tylenol PM so I could sleep for a couple of hours. And wouldn't you know it, he says, right after, like, they're down, I'm finishing butter, he says, well, because of the delay and the inconvenience, we're going to go ahead and unlock the uh, paid movie channels for everyone. Oh, yeah, I'm like, nice. oh, bastard. And then uh, all I saw was, you know, the opening for a movie, and then I woke up and saw the credits. It was Fan- all I could do to stay awake. Fantastic. But, uh, Excellent. Thank and you. also, yes. your prescription needs? Yes, have sir. you tried? Have you tried your dentist? Uh, no. Because they can write prescriptions for anything. Is that true? Uh, yes, it is. Excellent. All right, I'll look into that. Thank you, my All friend. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, uh, Odell, Oregon's a long way away. I think it's next to the Dallas. What's in Odell? I don't know. Why are we talking about nowhere. that? That's where he said he's calling from. Oh. Uh, this email says, Rick, is Scotty observing 9-11 by not putting the podcast up? I'm stuck in a hotel room, and it's either the podcast or $15 porn. Scotty J., why are you letting the terrorist win? Because Scotty. he hates America, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, I just wondered uh, how long about uh, get you the prescription drugs trying to sound like uh, Rick Limbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> I only caught the first half, like the first two Before words. You start sounding like Rick Limbaugh. My <laughs> friend. That was funny. You are kind of sounding like a junkie. It's not that. You it's... sound like me when I was totally trying to ask somebody to bring me Taco Bell that one day Which without is not asking. Not what I'm trying to do. No, nope. I am. And not I wasn't to get... trying to either. But thank you, Peter. 
I'm not a uh, no. I, it's not that I'm a junkie. I'm not addicted. You should just no. It's not that you know what develop I mean? a love for vodka and have a couple drinks it's, and you'll be just fine. It's just, but then you'll have to get up and use the bathroom a bunch, right? Because it's a diuretic. It's it's just it's, sitting for 16 hours. It, you know what it is? It's just kind of my ADHD, and I don't really know if I have that or not. But you know, I'm a little I'm a little hyper, and it's just the thought of sitting there and somebody saying, "Okay, now don't move for 16 hours." I mean, that is just the thought of that is just torture so i remember flying to london and flying back yeah oh, i mean that was just, a long and you know night. what my mp3 player is going to die halfway across the ocean mm-hmm. it'll never hold a charge and don't get me wrong i love to read but after you know after like five or six hours of reading you're like okay i'm done with this it just even like a two-hour plane flight is interminable and, and you know, just gonna to play pass the, the crappiest time. movie totally. it's gonna suck well i'm it, kind of lucky to fly on JetBlue oh. because i got my own personal tv oh f you it is totally it is completely and totally about passing the time that is completely what my xanax thing is about it is just that i want to close my eyes and wake up and, and be you know whatever almost to london that's my thing you know what i mean because you know theoretically because i'm leaving early in the morning i could stay up all night not sleep get on the plane Take the Xanax, you get a good seven, eight hours of sleep. Even if I only got seven or eight hours of sleep, that makes it effectively like a five-hour flight, which is great. You know what I mean? Although I guess there's a layover halfway through. So this still. is the longest flight by far you've ever oh, been on, God, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I've only... Man, the they longest, are not fun. No, the longest flight I've ever taken was here to, I guess, to Fargo. Because that's... Fargo or New York? New York would be farther. Oh, New York. Yeah, so from here to New York. Yeah, because on my way, when I flew to London, I remember we had a stop off because it depends on which route you take. So I flew from London to Texas, I believe, and then Texas to, or uh, sorry, um, Seattle to Texas and Texas to London. And that took like 16 hours. But then on my flight home, I flew directly from London to Seattle and it only took nine and a half hours. Well, then, you know, and I'm doing that weird thing when I fly back from London. Where the whole, you know, where I leave, I leave London at like 10 a.m. and I get here at like 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's just where time doesn't have. You know, and if you lose a day, then get a day. Here's the greatest thing, by the way, is that my wife uh, comes back. And she, by the way, her jet lag is, I mean, she's on European time now. She's been in Italy for almost two and a half weeks. Then she's going to be in London. And then we're coming back. The day that she comes back, a friend of hers is having a 40th uh, birthday party to which she must go. So she gets back uh, like at uh, 10 a.m., Portland time after having been in Europe for four uh, four weeks, she gets back here at 10 a.m. and immediately has to go to a party that lasts all day. Oh boy! And then must work the next day. She has to work a 12-hour shift the next day. So, by the way, if you're being treated by a jet-lagged nurse, you might want to double check all of the pills and things that she's giving you, because because she will be on zero sleep, incidentally. Uh, Aaron has said, "I'd offer you my various flying pills, but I am a greedy bastard." Ha ha. Yes, thank you. You know, now that it's like 2.15, I'm unclear about whether we were calling Chris Neither and he was calling us. I'm assuming we were supposed to call him because he's never appeared on the phone. Well, that worked out badly. We'll have to do that tomorrow. I feel like an ass. Scotty, get me an ass. Hi. <laughs> you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Rick. Uh, the Xanax that you wanted. I'm not asking anybody to give me Xanax. No, no, no. No, what I'm saying is uh, you can get that on the Internet, no problem. Just go to Google, plug in... Uh... <laughs> go to Craigslist and type in drugs. No, no, no. Google, plug in Mexican pharmacy, then Xanax, uh, push enter, and uh, you should have any number of uh, opportunities. To well, hold on. I'll, a... do, I'll do it right now. Stay without on the phone. A prescription. Stay on the phone, sir. Hold on. What am I typing in? Mexi- uh, Mexican pharmacy. Mexican pharmacy. I'm on Mexican pharmacy bar. Messy. Xanax? Xanax. Xanax. Is Xanax a palindrome? Yeah, it is. Uh, here we go. 
Let's see. Mexican pharmacy. Drugs by email. Well, let's click on this, shall we? Drugbuyers.com. Oh, this looks like a reputable site. This is like a GeoCities page. Uh, let's see. Fully licensed Mexican drugs. Sold, <laughs> sold throughout the world. That's wonderful. Uh, let's see. Is it legal to order from Mexico? Get the answers for free. Click here. Well, let's click here and find out. Apparently, I can buy Vicodin, Percodan. Um, let's see. Is it legal to buy drugs from Mexico? I'm clicking on this. Can my meds be seized? Let's see. Uh, you know, they, they, at no point are they giving me the answer. I've clicked through about four different pages here. Well, basically what they do, they send them to you in an unmarked package from Mexico, and hopefully nobody sees it when it's coming over. Oh, the I like the sound of that. Hopefully nobody looks. But if someone does take yeah. it, if the government confiscates it, they, they, most of those companies will give you a refund and send you some more. They'll send me, they'll send me some more to Sing Sing, where I'm doing 5 to 10. All right, thank you, sir. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, I guess we'll just roll through this and then take a break and connect with Tim in the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Are you speaking to me? Yes, I am. I'm speaking to you, but only you can hear it. It's a message directly into your brain. Oh, God. You would, I can't count the number of times that happens. I want you to do something. Okay, go ahead. Um, would you consider Valium? Oh, yeah. Valium's great, too. Okay. Go to your vet. I'm sorry? Go to your veterinarian. Uh-huh. Uh, usually easier to get into. I like where we're going. And uh, I used to have a big Akita Shepherd, 100-pound guard dog, that right. just turned into a baby if you heard any kind of firework. And the vet just absolutely threw Valium at me. Really? Yeah. Now, is dog Valium the same as human Valium? From my experience, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, tip from the, the, the taste test, the Pepsi challenge, you couldn't tell it apart? No. Um, so, now my dog weighs uh, 16 pounds. Yeah. So I'd have to take a lot of dog Valium. Well, I assume we're just talking about two flights. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I guess the pills don't need to last me forever. Not that I would ever do this, because that would be illegal, probably. But, I mean, theoretically. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she, the, the vet never said I couldn't take them. That's true. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. Oh, Alicia Witt uh, trivia? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the first movie, Dune, she was Paul Atreides' sister. Oh, really? Alia. Oh, well, there you go. Learn something every day. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, there you go. What a strange program it suddenly mm -hmm. become. You know, I should have known, by the way, that I immediately uh, start uh, talking about drugs, and the audience just uh, just weighs in. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Yeah, is this me? Yeah, uh, yes, it is, sir. Hello. All right, it's Ray from Womb Stretcher, and I've heard you mention us a few times. Oh, I thought this is perfect time to call up and give you our advice on the subject. This is a statutory Ray. This is Statutory Ray. From Womb Stretcher the Magnificent, uh, noted yes. Portland hip-hop duo. If I can just give you a little plug here. Noted Portland hip-hop duo, Womb Stretcher the Magnificent, noted for creating a subgenre of rap, which I do believe you call date rap. Date rap. Date rap, yes. Um, and we're the second best band in Portland. There's one band called the Wonderstrucks. I don't know who they are or what they represent, but I swear to God, Wonderstrucks, man. Just watch out for that them. name. I don't know anything about yeah, them. Yeah, I really Grammy like them. Grammy-worthy, brother. In Grammy-worthy. No, in no way do I know anything about them. What is the, what's the news on the womb stretcher front, sir? Well, today is September 11th. We figured no one would forget it, so we're doing our Town Lounge release party. We're releasing our new album today for free, so I hope I can plug it if Absolutely, it's free. Absolutely, sir. Yes. We actually, we're going to get a loss for all the strippers and tacos we've hired for the show. Um, okay. The tacos are actually on lease, too. We have to give them back afterwards. Yes. But it's at the Town Lounge downtown by PG Park, and we hope to see you there. But I was just calling up to suggest Diamond Tap. You can get it anywhere. And the kids' kind of Diamond Tap has a certain whatever it is, the bad stuff for your liver. It's not in that. 
So you can drink as much children's Dimetap as you feel like, and you will not hurt your liver. So it's uh, so it's one of the, so it's not like uh, it's like a scaled down version of your robo tripping. Exactly. What's the stuff in Robo that messes you up? It's called a DXM or extra whatever, Deferine. Um, they don't have that, so you can drink a lot of it and get really high. Fantastic. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, it seems like there's some advertising slogan I should be working in here. Dimatap. Making a note of it now. Dimatap. Fantastic. Excellent. So musically proficient and medicinally knowledgeable. Oh, yeah. Every one of our songs is written under the influence of Dimatap. I don't remember writing the crap. I wake <laughs> up and I'm like, wow, where'd this come from? Fantastic. But, uh... Uh, yeah. Uh, excellent. Uh, and so, again, uh, plug the uh, CD release again, sir? I'd love to plug the CD release. It's at the Town Lounge downtown between PGE Park and Taco Bell near 20th and Burnside. Uh, the Wonder Strucks will not be there because we couldn't afford the $10,000 uh, cover. But Womb Stretcher will be there. There will be strippers, tacos, and diamond What was the name of that band again? Wonder Strucks. I love it. The Wonder Strucks. The W O N D E R S T R U C K S. Can you get that? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Thanks. I, I, I'm not kidding. Kurt Loader was on the phone with me. He's like, Ray, <laughs> I didn't mean to wake you up, but the Wonder Strucks, man. you got to get on it. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Take it easy. All right. Uh, congratulations on the CD. All right, there you go. Statutory Ray from Womb Stretch and Magnificent, <laughs> known for their hit single, Shake It Like a Baby. Uh, all right. It's 503 733. And I'm not making that up. 503-733-2970. That, all of that is really offensive and completely clever. Oh, it's, oh, it's hilarious. That's, They're fantastic. Shake it like a baby. Uh, offensive. Horribly offensive. I'm telling you right now, don't go to their website if you are easily offended. I'm not saying that in some sort of a reverse psychology, go there kind of way. Really, it's, it's all things wrong and icky, but fantastic. Really. And their logo is great. It's got the two little, uh, little faces. You know what I'm talking about? No. Well, there's another band in town called uh, Statch and the Rapes. No, this is different. No, this is different. These guys are sort of a, they do the hip-hop that the kids love. So, all right. Let's Anywho, break. They're number two on my ice break list, I think. I think they're right. I think they're my top eight. All right. Back after this, it's 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues right after this. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. We'll find out the status of the squirrel upstairs in a few. Somebody, I I hear they're calling John Goodman in to exterminate everything up there. She's going to be gassing the entire system. So this is uh, this may be your last chance to go upstairs and commune with the squirrel. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Representatives of the Macaw Tribe are in Washington, D.C. meet with members of the state's congressional delegation. After the unauthorized gray whale killing over the weekend, tribal leaders have denounced the killing and now fear the hunters have jeopardized their case with the feds for future whale hunts. The tribe has spent years trying to win back federal approval to exercise its treaty rights to hunt whales, but this really puts a damper on things. Go to the store like everybody else. Yeah. 
I mean, we slaughter things behind closed doors <laughs> in, a, in a politer society. It's not. I mean, we uh, really, it is sort of a Victorian thing we do. It. Mm -hmm. Pay no attention to the rendering plant over there. I mean, really, if you want to buy some meat in a can uh, or meat, period, just go to the store. You don't need to, really, it's just a lot of work otherwise. Hey, you know, somebody has an interesting question here. This is uh, speaking of, of uh, Indians hunting, uh, well, they're not fish, they're mammals, but this email says, Rick, we all know that cats like fish. My question is, how did cats develop a taste for fish if they hate the water? How do they even know what a fish is? That's, that's a, a good question. That's a really it? good question. Yeah, I don't know. said, um, perhaps cats are in the water and we haven't seen it. Wouldn't it freak you out if you were chilling near a river one day and a cat came along, looked both ways to make sure no humans were watching, and then plunged into the river and came out with a fish? It must be happening all the time. This is the only explanation. That is a really interesting question. How is it that cats can have developed a taste for something that, by definition, they never hunted because they despise the water? That is a good question. It's going to freak me out all day. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Now, Nancy Pelosi is going to be here in town tomorrow, and she's going to talk about global warming. Like everybody wants to hear about that. She will be at the uh, convention center at 2.30, and she, she is being hosted by Congressman Earl Blumenauer. I'm sure that she's getting here by a completely green plane that isn't using a fume, you know, fuel at all and isn't certainly isn't spewing exhaust into the air. Uh, they'll talk about uh, ways to renew resources and uh, cut energy technology. It's not going to happen. No. Uh, judges struck down a New York City rule that require fast food joints to post calorie content on their menus. So those visiting are sick. <laughs> well, really, honestly, like what, what is it you need to be told? I mean, well, I was, I was, what did that guy say the other day? Well, I just got a bag of crud for lunch. I mean, really, when you've trained an entire populace to order something from your restaurant and call it a bag of crud, when we asked him what it was, uh, I really don't know that calorie content is top of mind awareness for people. Don't fight with old people because they could be madmen. A man who allegedly tried to burglarize a home lost his clothes in the scuffle with a 69-year-old homeowner. Uh, let's see, the man uh, found the guy breaking in. And apparently he touched his wife and he got all upset at 69, so he dragged him in the kitchen, wrestled him to the crowd, and pulled off all his clothes, and he ran away. I need a drink of water. One moment, please. All right. Hold on, let me... Uh... All right, well, I'm back. Oh, we were going to play something else. No, we weren't. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Bam, look at that. Cracking the news whip. Uh, city leaders of Mount Dora, Florida, may ban barking. This comes up for a vote. They're trying to do something about the dogs barking. Owners of barking dogs can be fined if a dog barks repeatedly three times within 24 hours. Right now, they can bark five minutes at a time. Who times these things? Well, you know, there's some Gladys Kravitz woman who does that, though. You sure you don't need something else played while you drink that water? I guess I'm okay. A New Hampshire teenager's yearbook photo has been rejected because she's holding a flower. A Merrimack High School student, Melissa Morin's senior photograph featured her holding a small flower. School officials say the uh, picture isn't going to make it because props aren't allowed. Uh, this is because of a controversy in another student yearbook in 2005 when a student was gun. holding a gun. Yeah. So oh. now you can't hold anything. It's always a gun. So I don't see why people are trying to break the rules knowing what they are. Yes. A bunch of little hooligans, scoff laws. Off to college with you. <laughs> a woman who killed her minister husband with a shotgun is seeking custody of her three daughters, or at least frequent visits. This petition is being filed by Mary Winkler. Uh, she wants the girls back. They're 2, 8, and 10. 
Uh, she shot the Reverend Matthew Winkler in their parsonage. On, uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. It hurts to get shot there. That's it the worst does. place to get shot. Uh, she described it as an abusive marriage. She was convicted of voluntary manslaughter, but only served five months in jail. That's not bad for killing somebody. Uh, followed by two months in a mental health facility. How, how, how long in jail? Uh, let's see. Five months. Followed by two months in a hospital? Uh-huh. I would totally... There's some people I would totally kill if I knew I could just get five months. But this is Tennessee. They're all crazy. What are they supposed to do with it? I mean, you'd have to jail the entire state. I suppose. Just put a barbed wire around the entire place. So, uh, that's that. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> is that it? That's yeah. the extent of the news? That's all you're getting. You've just you've cut off the news supply. Have, yes. All right. It has to be rationed. All right. Well, shall we do the top five then? I think so. That All would right. be a great idea. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. five four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Uh, Scotty is asking, do you want me in on this top five? If he really wants to. If you really think it's a good idea, Scotty. All right, come on in. Ladies and gentlemen, we join by Scotty J here as we uh, roll today's top five. These are the top five rock and roll comebacks, or musical comebacks anyway, of all time. Um... Let's see. I oh, we've got an answer to the cat thing. Hold on. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi. Hi. See, with the cat thing, you don't. Cats don't like water just because of when it rains, it dulls their senses, especially their sense of smell. Yeah, but they don't like go into the river. That's because it's an evolutionary thing. So how do they know that they like fish? Because they are fine with sticking their arm into the water most of the time. It's when there's the water around their head that they don't like it because it dulls their senses. So so you're saying that cats are known in the wild to go into the river and stick their paws into the water to catch things? I believe so, yes. I think you are bluffing. But I don't not think the ones that go to cat school. I don't know what it is. Once you've been groomed properly. I don't think you know this to be true. I think you are guessing and wagering that we don't know uh, differently. Well, partially. I do know that part of the reason they don't like water is because it dulls their senses. But All right. the rest is just a uh, educated guess, I guess. Right. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right. There you go. What was this Don Rickles call that I never got to? He uh, called. Apparently, Don Rickles is on Apparently he was on some show the other night, and he knew how much he loved Don Rickles. Now, I watched Casino the other night. Is Don Rickles in Casino? He is in something? Casino. He's okay. the manager of That's the... Uh, what's right. They, they gave him a beatdown. God, I've, I've seen that movie a million times. He I watched al- it again Saturday. He was already like a... Well, you watch the uncut version, right? You don't watch the stupid TV version. No, it's the stupid TV version. Uh, you don't want to watch that. Watch the uncut version. The television version. It was just on TV. It's like and watching I just, Goodfellas It was TNT. horrible because it took four hours for him to play the whole movie because of all the commercials. Don't you want a TiVo? I own the DVD. I just, you know, I just wasn't feeling too great on Saturday, so I just laid around and watched You have it. the DVD. <laughs> right. Sitting there next to the television, and yet you are now complaining that you were forced to watch the forever version on TV. Yeah. The DVD's right there. Do you have a TiVo? No, I have a, a DVR. But, I mean, okay, you have a DVR. Well, that allows you to skip the whole, all the commercials then. Yeah, but it was on at the moment, and I'm like, be quiet. The kids were making noise. <laughs> I own the DVD. <laughs> be quiet. I'm trying to watch this. 
I I don't understand what a day at your house is like. I really don't in any way. You pro- I, you probably wouldn't want to. I sometimes try to imagine a day at the J House, and my brain just won't conjure it up. All right. Uh, these are the top five rock and roll or musical comebacks. Uh, we are doing this because of Britney Spears' failed attempt at same uh, on Sunday. Tim Riley. With honorable mention, the meatloaf, and I do anything for love. Yay. Yay. But I won't do that. All right. I'm not going to do the nine-hour intro. Yeah. This song is 12 minutes long. I love it's every like it, second of it. I think it gets longer every time we play it. I remember when the song was only 11 minutes long. What? I can't turn it up any higher. Your computer's turned down. I know. I've got it over here. It all comes out in the wash. It does. Yeah, they had written this guy off. He was playing to like two, three hundred people a night before this album came out. And then uh, I saw him at the Gorge the year after, well, I guess the next year, and there was like 7,000 people there, something like that to see him. Him and Cheap Trick. That was a great show. Meatloaf concerts are almost kind of pointless, though, because he really only gets like four songs done, and then, he's, then it's over. Because every song he does is like an hour and a half long. All right. Counting down the top five rock and roll comebacks. ACDC with Thunderstruck. This doesn't really count as the... Now, well, sure it does. It says this song is 12 minutes. Well, ACDC had a comeback after the death of Bon Scott. That was many years before this record came out. But, yeah, this, this is, I guess... A long time went by before this came out, too, right? Not really, but I guess this, I guess this you know, this is the comeback continuing. Everything they did after the death of Bon Scott. It seems like they're equally as famous... Yeah, well, no, they actually had, I think, far more uh, financial uh, and, and sales success with uh, Brian Johnson than they ever had with Bon Scott. There's a lot of people who are Bon Scott purists. But they certainly had a much more mainstream breakthrough after uh, Brian Johnson joined the band. It's a great song. You know, there's no one on earth who dislikes this song. Everyone on earth loves this. This, this album, or CD rather, has maybe three songs that I really like. It's not a solid album all the way through, but this is definitely a great single. Counting on the top five musical comebacks. Number four, Pink Floyd, Learning to Fly. <sighs> I just don't even know how to feel about this song. This is after Pink Floyd had broken up, dissolved, more or less, because Roger Waters just assumed that once they broke up or once he left the band that they would never reform. And then David Gilmour reformed the group without Roger Waters, and Waters sued them to try to stop them from calling themselves Pink Floyd. And then a judge told Waters to get bent. And now David Gilmour and, like, a bunch of studio musicians tour and call themselves Pink Floyd. And it's all very, uh, it's all very tedious. This is a good song, though. They have had the occasional good song since Waters left. I mean, it really is never going to be as good as it was with Roger Waters. But even if that guy rejoined at this point, it's like he can't sing anymore, so there'd be no point. No, apparently they're letting a band tour, and uh, they're, a, they're a cover band, but they have Pink Floyd's OK. Have you heard of that news recently? Well, you don't have to have a band's OK to, to be a cover band. But there, I, know that, I know that there are some Pink Floyd bands out there that the band themselves really like that they endorse. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this. I know my friends in high school were fanatics for this song, and I just... It's a little too mellow for my taste. Counting down the top five musical comebacks of all time. Number three, Aerosmith, Eat the Rich. You keep picking these songs from, like, way past the comeback point, but that's okay. Uh, this is from Get a Grip. 
This is not a bad song. This is a pretty great song. I never actually. edited this, so I oh, just thanks. remembered that. <laughs> I just remembered that. Thanks for that. Thanks so much. So it's profanity intact. Yes. <laughs> I like how when I, when I ask him that and he just says it like... You do talk like Brick Tamblin a lot. I've been noticing that recently. So this has lots of profanity. Yes, it does, Rick. Lots of profanity. Well, the problem is I I've been scattering lately. You're thinking about Nancy Pelosi's appearance tomorrow. You're thinking about her pendulous bosom, aren't you? And how she screamed in court at that deal earlier today. She probably had people killed. Move on. Number two, Eric Clapton and Forever Mean. I don't even know what this. What is this? Forever Man. Oh yeah, this is from when he sucked. This is from, because everything he's done since his comeback has sucked, except uh, for that Unplugged record. Everything else has been crap. And I, on the other hand, feel oh, like God. I wasn't a big, you know, Mustang Sally when Eric Clapton sang that version uh, or whatever. Thinking of somebody no, else. He sang, sang a version of it. Uh, he sang a bunch of stuff prior, and I and I thought he more modernized himself when this stuff came out, and it reminds me of a lot of good times in the 80s. What about when the baby fell out the window? Like watching the movie Cocktail. <laughs> Those were good times, Tim. You prefer the dead kid era. I think I was the kid falling out of that window, by the way. What, is, what does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Now, well, whatever. You know, remember you know, the. You don't prefer that hack work like Layla, Cream. No, no, I don't. Derek and the Dominoes. Exactly. That was crap. It yeah. was. White Room, <laughs> Sunshine of Your Love. Oh, that's the one that's I yeah, appreciate it, though, now. Yeah. Now, like when the color money came out and all that. Oh, really? It's in the way that, that you use it. That's your. You're yeah. a. You're a Michelob era. Oh, I love Michelob. It's you, time I love him in that Michelob commercial. That, oh, what yeah. was that commercial? I, I knew you know. guys could find some common And then Genesis made a Michelob commercial, too. Tonight, 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 Michelob. Right. right. Yes, they did. Number one. <laughs> Johnny Cash with Hurst. Really, this is... We can all agree on this. This yeah. deserves to be number one, absolutely. Really, this is among... I was just... Re- hey, I just read that Rick Rubin article yesterday, by the way, Tim. Oh. From the New York Times hey. Magazine. Was that something? And they, I hurt myself. And they... Uh, Today. They talk about how the Johnny Cash stuff has overshadowed everything Rick Rubin did, which is amazing. Uh-huh. When you consider Rick Rubin gave us the Beastie Boys, L.O. Cool J, Public Enemy, Slayer, Andrew Dice Clay, Tom Petty, Mick Jagger, reinvented the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He, you know, I think I said the Beastie Boys. Um, all of those. And yet this Johnny Cash thing is just so monumental that it overshadows everything else Rick Rubin did. This video is... Oh, it's messed up. I wonder it's how they... Beautiful got video. You know, this house burned down. Really? Right. How perfect is that? How perfect and biblical when is the, that? When that the, the house that he filmed this video in, the which house was his, what? Yeah, which was his real house that they burned. This it burned down. Well, the BG guys were remodeling it, right? It's true. They bought his house, the BGs. Really? The, I'm not sure if it was this house. I don't know. I don't and think it was this house. They bought I, the house. I think sure? this. It wasn't this house because this house was still a museum, yeah. and it was right after he died. It was so okay. perfect. It's like he films this video there, he dies, house burns down. It was really like, I really, it really was very biblical. Yeah, I remember because June, June Carter died before him, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember watching this on the, the, um, the day that he died and seeing both of them, you know, look at each other lovingly and knowing that they're both dead. And it's beautiful it's hard to imagine or remember now that Johnny Cash was very much written off. I mean, people had really, as, as Rick Rubin says, if you weren't well, from the crazy South. And godlike, right? It's not even just that. It's just that his type of country was no longer popular. You know, if, if you weren't from the South or over 40, um, you know, you, 
you weren't familiar with him because, again, he, his type of country had gone out of style. And was replaced by a corporate type of country rock. Exactly. It had all become, well, first things like Ronnie Millsap and, you know, and, you know, and then later Garth Brooks and all of that. And, and then they went after the end of the 35 crowd. Yeah. And anybody his age. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, you know, uh, because country radio, the country radio still doesn't play Johnny Cash. As Natalie Maines once said of country radio, they have the money, but they don't have cash. Um, well, I listen to anything that she says. Yeah, it was radio consultants, exactly. That was their their idea. No, 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 let's not play that Johnny Cash. Let's, let's play more Oak Ridge Boys songs. Let's play the Bellamy Brothers. More Shania. Mm. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we return next. Everyone I know goes away in the air. And you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. to do top five uh, definitive cover versions top five covers uh, that are better or more enduring than the original or even yeah like more well-known even yeah i'm trying to think of what else there's the ones you and i mentioned i gotta think about that oh uh, we could do it we i mean we came up with those totally in like that. two minutes all right uh let's see rick about learning to fly and how it was destroyed I was with some hippie freaks that played a DVD with that Pink Floyd song, Learning to Fly. When the song started, one woman started babbling about how she remembered being born, leaving the womb, and traveling through the birth canal and into the world. Then complained about how she needed years of therapy due to being born. I wanted to sterilize all of them that night. Fantastic. Uh, let's see, Mr. Holland's Opus, Lesbian Makeouts, 25% of your bones are in your feet. Um, let's see. Uh, squirrels can be trained. Fred Thompson, how can we not elect the man who is an Iron Eagle 3? F yeah. Kick ass. 11111. One, one, one. Uh, let's see. Oh, Sneathan, that's apparently miscommunication. Chris Sneathan was waiting for a top of the hour break, which we blew through and didn't take. So we'll talk to him, uh, I think, tomorrow. Chris Sneathan from uh, onthevig.com. Uh, let's see. Rick, man up and just enjoy the trip. My five-year-old was able to sit still quietly all the way to Taiwan. Are you saying you cannot do what a five-year-old girl can do? You are a pussy. Thank you, sir. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Lisa Goddard, and James Roop. Uh, tomorrow, Chris Neathan joins us, as well as some other happenings of comedy. Rick Emerson, show produced today, and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley, the PA, Scotty Jane, of course, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn. Like us next, Don and Mike at 7. We'll see you all tomorrow at 11. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it out. Watch out for squirrels, and bye now. He's gay.